0: This is The Producers. If I hadn't made a bet with my uncle that it wasn't possible to produce a show with quote unquote" 0 appeal, I wouldn't be here right now. It seems like due to the one weekly listener, we haven't been able to achieve a zero percent, but I'm sure we'll get there soon. Anyhow, thanks a whole lot for tuning in. Please enjoy another spectacular episode of the Madeline and her attorney watch movies program.
1: Did a child thing, and now I feel imba- embarrassed.
2: I did record that. <laughs> I'm really glad that I got. Let's that. Let's begin the of adventures of
1: Madeline and the White. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the White Spaniard. No, I don't. No more White Spaniard stuff. All right, <laughs> you heard it here first. We no opened, more White Spaniard. We open
1: the podcast
2: with that this time around. Great.
1: Yeah, I apologize. I just thought it'd be funny. It's fine. People are—they're not gonna like it.
2: I shouldn't have confessed to you that I—I I felt uh, anxious about any comments whatsoever so by
1: now you must know that i wait like a venus fly trap for you to um allow one of your flies to land on my tongue (laughs) and the metaphor your flies are expressions of concern personal anxiety
2: just fear that i'm gonna offend someone or do something
1: inappropriate and then i snap and that fly drips down into my weird sack of there we go acid
2: alfred's weird acid sack yeah that might be the name of the episode. It's fine. We hit it real early this time. Hey,
1: everybody's gonna get the fly trap metaphor. Everybody. I'm an attorney, man. Words are my living.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so how are you today, sir?
1: I'm pretty good. You know? Yeah. yeah I, I work. I work remotely. So I had a, a pretty relaxed day. No dress code to worry about. Um, Did I do much? Not really. It was a Did it was you a have client moment. calls? No, I tried no? to call one client. I have this one client who is a real uh uh nuisance to me. Mm-hmm. He calls all the time for no reason. Cool. He expects me to be able to help him because I am an attorney, and I keep telling him I have almost no power. So attorneys are just all we can do is, you know, f- write letters and file file little applications, but nothing really happens. And and especially within the small niche of law that I exist inside, I you know, all I can do is make a you know, a benign limp effort to to help him and uh
2: man, benign effort.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I was I mean well.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. I I believe that it has nothing to do with you. It completely has to do with the system.
1: Yeah, I'm in a system that's very, very frustrating. I, I'd like to say that my success rate is actually greater than than my uh, my uh, colleagues lately, but but to get into the the details would be too depressing. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. <laughs> Expound on that idea.
2: That's all right. You know what you can do. What? Watch
1: movies. I did. I watched at least one. Yes. You know what else we can do? What else can we do? We can eat queso.
2: We did eat queso. We did it. In fact,
1: queso club is alive and well. It is. It's well, alive
2: and well for people who joined prior to yeah. the cancellation was, of the I, queso club. I wasn't exactly. April.
1: Yeah, I wasn't exactly grandfathered in. Yeah. I mean, I, was,
2: I think we got you. You got in. I say we because I was present. Yeah. But uh, I think you got into the queso club mere weeks before last
1: helicopter out of Saigon.
2: Yep. There we go a weird vietnam
1: thing Great. it's not weird it's a that's a well-known expression it is absolutely it's famous it's a famous subject of ph- photography is film. it related
2: to apocalypse now no oh I,
1: well in the sense that it's set in the vietnam war yeah uh,
2: apocalypse now opens with a big helicopter
1: well helicopters are a big part of that conflict oh but the last one people were scrambling to get on yeah you've never seen these photos i'm a film? very
2: young little baby
1: Oh, it's really har- harrowing. Yes. It, it's sort of the subject of Miss Saigon, actually. Is mm-hmm. that
2: a, actually, you know what, now that you say it, that? It's I famously, am I with, think, a yeah. part
1: of the, either at the end of the first act or the end of the whole play. Mm-hmm. But there's a helicopter that is like leaving, and everyone is desperate to get on board. Yeah. There's only so much room, and eventually it just takes off. Well, obviously, that's the Queso Club.
2: The Queso <laughs> Club. Helicopter out of Sega. <laughs> this is a metaphor. is
1: a heavy, heavy metaphor episode. So
2: there's there was only oh so many people who were able to do it between its inception, which I believe was during the pandemic. I think it was a promotion in order to try to get people in mid-pandemic. They're really reckless. Yeah. It was free queso, <laughs> yeah. one year. Just come in. And you were you were hanging off of the legs.
1: Yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie True Lies.
2: Yeah, like um Sam Elliott in the movie Shakedown.
1: <laughs> Elliott in the movie Shakedown hangs...
2: Off the wheels of the He wraps airplane. his legs
1: around one of the... the, the straddles it. Straddles the, uh-huh. the, the, the landing gear beneath the cockpit of the uh, medium-sized private jet.
2: Yeah, weirdly erotic.
1: And blasts the uh, engine Blast with it. his 45
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before, I recommend Shakedown, before, check it out.
1: Before nimbly placing a hand grenade <laughs> inside the fuselage and then letting himself fall off the plane.
2: <laughs> Into the to the east river Safe, right
1: safely oh boy in the in the yeah well i don't know where the river was it was actually almost incomprehensible oh, because yeah. the, the other guy no, drove his right up to the river
2: it seemed like they were taking off of a plane that was on you know the new york side but then i think it may the the the, the statue of liberty was i don't know let's not talk about Maybe it was. you should listen it, to the episode yeah. of, of cinema oblivion that we were on um
1: could have been idle while idle Idlewild—that's a real airport name. Yeah, I think it actually became. Um, what's the one? What's the one uh, before you get to JFK?
2: LaGuardia.
1: I think it became LaGuardia. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Where but I that's I just a dumb guess. I have no idea. Yeah. <clears throat>
2: Anyhow, so we went to on the border earlier today. That's true. What were you just looking for? Wine. You yeah, want wine? I do. You yeah. want to drink wine? Yeah. We're, we right now are drinking a... I'm just going to slide the bottle in your direction. Can you reach that? <laughs> this table is much longer than the one we used to record
1: at. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true. but it, Yes, it's true. In that scenario, it felt much longer.
2: Um, we are drinking a Rose Hill Rosé. Uh, Rose Hill Rosé sparkling. Whatever I don't know. Okay, so there was a vineyard on Long Island called Cruteau. and Cruto only did sparkling rose. The, did you just pour the whole bottle into your glass?
1: Oh, well, it was. I mean, I did put the rest of the bottle into my well, glass. I guess there wasn't that Do much. Do you left want in some?
2: It. No, I got enough left.
1: Yeah, well, there's more to. There's we have, more. Eventually. We have more wine. Yeah, worst-case scenario, nervous. we'll just we'll, we'll pause
2: the podcast, play like a cool tune, and and leave. And you get don't alcohol. have to tell people what we're doing. I do.
1: We can edit it so that it sounds like you're right. I could happens. just
2: do a fade, like all the times I've taken we out c- your racial we slurs. Just, we can just.
1: <laughs> I keep telling you not to do that. We can just turn the sound of the waterfall way up, <laughs> and we'll start shouting, and then we'll and then we'll just turn it way down again. Perfect. It's a, real, it's a classic radio editing trick.
2: <laughs> but wait, Rose Hill Rosé. Okay. Sparkling Rosé is yep. uh, their brut. Their brut. Their brut. Their brut. Their brut Rosé. Br- br- brut. Cr- Cruteau vineyard. Oh my God, I'm like stumbling over the story. We've we've clearly. This is a good story, though. People great, are great. still with us. They're with us. They're, they're still here to hear about Cruteau. If you don't
1: like this story, we'll give you your money back. We
2: will we'll give you your money Full back. Full refund. Guaranteed, 100%. Um, so Cruteau. This gonna, is still
1: about the Queso Club? No,
2: this is about Rose Hill. <laughs> okay. So Rose Hill is a vineyard out on Long Island.
1: All right. Yeah, okay.
2: There was another vineyard called Cruteau. I see. Cruteau was a sparkling rosé vineyard. This is the only thing they did out on Long Island. And it was owned by a couple. And the couple got divorced. And the vineyard became an, uh, a battling item in the divorce. Oh, So it went out of business because they were basically like, one of them fought over it. Like the wife was like, I'm taking the vineyard. And the husband was like, I run the vineyard. And she was like, fuck you or something. Um, so basically it went defunct.
1: Wait, hold on. You have the transcript with you, right? Yes. All right, what, would, would you here? Read? I'm, I'm
2: giving it to you right now. Would you like to read this? I
1: can't. It's in French. It's I, can't, in, I can't. I can't read, I can't read French it. either. Well, I don't.
2: Know. Oh wait. I think I found a translation. Okay. Um, wife.
1: Right. What word is that in French? Wife. Right. But in, what's the French one?
2: W- w- oh, yeah. Wife. Okay. Uh, Madame. <laughs> I want to hurt you as bad as I can. <laughs> Husband. Did you get that, type man? Okay. Type man.
1: All right. Well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> frankly, this legal stuff might be a little dry.
2: <laughs>
0: like, the like the brute. Like the brute.
1: Wife, I want you to hurt me as <laughs> as much as you can, husband. I,
2: I would do. enjoy that. Thank you.
1: Please don't take away my livelihood, wife. That is exactly what I will do.
2: <laughs> there we go.
1: This is an American divorce story.
2: (laughs) An American divorce story. (laughs) Great movie. Um, That's the screenplay I've been working on all summer. (laughs) But right. So like this vineyard just stopped doing anything. It was just there. And so there was another vineyard called Shin Estates. And I love Shin Estates. Um, So we would go out to Shin Estates, drink wine. I joined Shin Estates. And then they changed the name to Rose Hill. Now, they're currently in a lawsuit because the name Rose Hill was taken and they just didn't Google it or something. Who fucking knows? They still produce great wine. But I have questions about the ownership. Um, I,
1: I, I own I own a small company. Yeah. And it's so easy to know if the name that you're about to use is taken. Just check. It's It's in fact in New Jersey. Yeah. It's like the first step. Literally yeah. before you can even form the LLC, they so like, what's? They ask you. There's like it's in a, and by the way, it's a website, so it's not even they. The website has a temp, in a little field where you put in the, the proposed name for your company, mm-hmm. and it just tells you that's not available.
2: Yeah, I mean they. It was Shin Estates. It was bought out. Like the original owners don't have it anymore. Some family brought, bought it. Every everyone who owns land on the North Fork of Long Island is probably incredibly fucking rich. So some rich people bought it. And they managed it, as Shin Estates, they brought in a bunch of really good people. They make really good wine. Uh, but I attribute that more to the people who they brought in to make the wines than the owners. And then the owners were like, we don't like Shin, which I think is miserable because it's the coolest name for a vineyard ever. It's weird.
1: Just as a name, they don't yeah, like the Shin.
2: Shin. A- S-H-I-N-N. Well, Shin. Did,
1: did it have any history or anything?
2: Yeah, it was the last name of the founder. Okay. So they changed it to well, Rose Hill Vineyards.
1: Actually that that might inspire me to change it too. Yeah. If I No If I became Don't if, you want if to ma- maintain, po- maintain the history? If this podcast bought Shin Vineyards or yeah. Shin Estates, I'd Madeline open-
2: and her attorney watch movies vineyards.
1: Madeline and her attorney sell wine.
2: Metal wines.
1: Metal wines.
2: Yeah. That would that's what I would call my vineyard Metal Wines.
1: Grapes of Wrath.
2: Perfect. Um, I think, th- I think, right. I don't think that's taken. So there's <laughs> no lawsuits there. They changed the name, got into a lawsuit because there was already a Rose Hill wine shop in New York city. Like they didn't even go further than like, you know, 50 miles. Um, and they bought Cruteau. And so now Cruteau produces Rose Hills Sparkling Rosé. And that's what we are consuming. We are currently drinking it, but we are not drinking it at its peak because we accidentally froze the bottle. Well, um, we froze
1: the bottle like two weeks ago.
2: Yeah. And then <clears throat> thawed it out and opened it tonight.
1: I don't think it lost much.
2: I don't think so either. It's a little less carbonated yeah, than it was, there's less fizz. But it's still quite good.
1: I think the flavor is very, very... Um,
2: yeah. Isn't it funny how much turmoil there can be, but there's, the wine's still good because the people who are actually like picking the grapes and making the wine are talented.
1: When you de- you're describing the freezing as turmoil, um, or are you talking about like the war in Ukraine?
2: I'm talking about the war in Ukraine it
1: specifically. Is, it is funny.
2: Yeah. yeah. Isn't it funny that like countries can be at war and, and we still, can enjoy fine wine? the
1: people who pick these grapes <laughs> can turn them into a serviceable wine.
2: What were we talking Krutow? about?
1: I couldn't tell you. I mean, I asked for the wine and then you decided to sell it. It
2: was something very special. Oh, we were talking about On the Border, how uh, we went On the Border. Well, that's
1: why I said, is this still about Queso Club? And you said, no. Yeah. This is about the family history of Croteau <laughs> v. Rose Hill.
2: I, I like wine. Well, here we go.
1: We're yeah. back at On the Border. Now, On the Border is uniquely on, on point this week.
2: Yeah.
1: We always go there, but we finally have a movie that's sort of said on the border. Mm-hmm. Um, not really, but... Yeah. Um, but so i was feeling saucy and i asked my waitress who uh in the bar she was cool again this is this is our second episode in a row Mm -hmm. where, having gone down the border i was take my takeaway was the place seems to be up and running again
2: yeah although there's some issues like we were seated directly under a dripping air conditioner
1: right well that that i don't know that they can handle i don't know if that's something that on the border is actually equipped to manage they have giant Uh, It looks like almost industrial air conditioning vents.
2: And it was dripping water directly onto our table and onto Matt. It was just switched places with Alfred.
1: It was just a condensed air that was, uh, what's the word for that? Um, I don't know, collecting on the outside of the vent and it was dripping down.
2: And you complained
1: to somebody. I wouldn't say I complained. You didn't complain.
2: You mentioned it. You're like, hey, we're struggling with this dripping. Can you
1: help? I didn't say I was struggling either. I just said it.
2: Yeah. it, It might be. in your. I'm not struggling. I'm great. I'm in great shape. Everything's in, going my way. I'm
1: invincible and the water is touching me. I don't care at all. But you might want to turn off the air conditioning, frankly, yeah. or or set the dial, you know, uh, one degree to the left or something, set it down a little. They're like, I'm sorry, it's just hot. I'm like, right. I know, but not really because it's freaking, yeah. it's like, an, you, have, you have the place, you know, very cold inside. Yeah.
2: Sabrina and I were both, <clears throat> you know, in our girl clothing and we were both very cold. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it, I was very cold in my man clothing.
2: But the manager came over. <laughs> it,
1: was, it was cold.
2: The manager came over and you repeated yourself. And she's like, oh, we definitely want to take care of that. And immediately grabbed our table and... And started dragging it, moves it, it like towards six me, yeah. towards me, and I did not have the time. And these
1: are those high bar tables so could like put your feet didn't touch the ground. No,
2: I didn't really have the time to like get up, yeah, and move out of the
1: way. Not in your girl clothes.
2: So not in my girl clothes. So I'm holding my chair with one foot on the ground, trying to push my whole body backwards to keep up with the table moving. Yeah, but you couldn't. I couldn't do it.
1: The you, table, the table crushed me. Got you. Yeah, <laughs> you're um, less of yourself now.
2: I am. I'm less. I'm less person than I was before. You. But, uh, but the we, queso, did,
1: but we brought up the queso club, yeah. and the bartender seemed. Wait,
2: wait, wait, what did she say?
1: Well, she seemed to know what was going on.
2: What did the dripping water in- inspire the manager to say after she moved our table? Oh, off? she
1: described it as a version of Chinese torture water. <laughs> she said it three times: she Chinese said it three torture times. water. And then she walked away. Madeline was like laughing. I was
2: laughing. Very hard because um, I was very uncomfortable. Yeah, she'd never she never heard the phrase. She patted me on the shoulder for it.
1: Yeah, because she thought that Madeline was like all aboard. Chinese torture water,
2: and I thought she was being
1: racist. Yeah. <laughs> not really. I mean, it's it's certainly
2: not a uh, yeah, either pr- way. Yeah,
1: it's probably something they don't teach in schools anymore. Yeah, probably
2: not something that the manager and of the also, restaurant you're dining at should say. But at the same time, also, it, yeah,
1: it's a, it's a malaprop. It's not Chinese torture water. It's Chinese, it's water, Chinese torture. water torture. Mm-hmm. It's the historic, uh, you know, idea. Is that the historical name? Yeah, historically, that's what it was named. <laughs>
2: But yeah, so we asked for the queso. <clears throat> you asked for
1: the queso. I asked if I. I said I don't want to be a pain in your ass, so I'm not here to make a scene. I was enrolled in this program in April of this year, and then in, in like May or June, they said, "Well, that program is basically finished." And the bartender said, "No, if you enrolled, you have a certain amount of time for which it's still eligible. We just got to get the manager involved because I know it's a pain. Like it's it's a there's an issue with comp- computing the the free queso." <clears throat> so the manager comes over. This is before the the torture water and um and she explains that it's easy just give me your phone number i'll put the phone number in if it's in there you got it and i like all right great so i gave her the phone number and then every time i log in it says i have, uh, have on deal. the border rewards level queso tier, mm-hmm. the I'm, on queso the, tier. I'm on the queso tier <laughs> so they all said it was you know they said it was a done deal i have it they, you want the queso i said give me the queso we I got the bring queso. me the cheese
2: the queso tasted like um uh, my wife described fake bacon. Yeah, my
1: wife described it as fake bacon. And, that, I, I couldn't figure that out. And
2: what do you call milk that's been heated?
1: Hot milk. No, no, a no. latte. No, cappuccino. The,
2: the term, when it's like it gets a little burned. I've scorched. Scorched. Okay. No, there's a term, but whatever.
1: No. No, you what, mean,
2: what do you call it when you heat milk? Um, steamed. No. Baked. No, there's a specific milk Jeez. word. What happens when you boil milk? Separated.
1: M- milk. Emulsified.
2: No. No. There's a specific word I want.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to keep saying other words. <sighs> Aqueduct. No. Viceroy.
2: It's like scorched. Scissors. It's, um, um, Scalded. Scalded. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you thank you scalded you're, milk you are welcome that's what that was a full minute of our podcast the queso tasted like scalded milk and fake bacon
1: okay well, i didn't pick up on any of those notes but I, my, I have very poor taste period and smell so i i trust that you're right i don't know why it would taste <laughs> that way but i guess there might be a pork in the in the cheese who knows? Hmm. So we get the queso, we eat our meal. My my brother and his wife they joined us, but for some reason the waitress wouldn't join our table well, to next s- to it.
2: They told us they weren't coming, so we asked for a table for four. Right, right, right. And, and then we, we, had we were six. surprised. We were surprised. Yeah.
1: But for some reason the waitress did not join the table next to the one. So we were in at like a
2: bar height table, she, and they were at a
1: closer to the ground. Yeah. She's table. like, why don't you take this two t- this two top that's <laughs> four feet lower and they're like i guess we, we will and then some person came down in, at them the whole time some person came in and sat by herself at the table next to us what a mistake what a yeah. miscalculation mm-hmm. whatever bad bad decision making uh, but we had a nice time the meals were good the drinks were good you had something new a corona sunrise
2: uh, yeah it was a corona with tequila grenadine orange juice and and Corona in it.
1: Yeah. I think that there's an old an older cocktail called a tequila sunrise. Correct. And there this is. This is basically a tequila sunrise. Yes, Cor- And it, it corona. served inside a corona bottle. Correct. Looked pretty good.
2: I liked it a lot. It was great. It, it wasn't f- sweet. That was the shocking part. It
1: had a fun color to it.
2: Mm-hmm. It was pink. And now we're here. Yeah, here we are. So what Oh well they did charge us for the queso. They well, full price.
1: For, yeah and so I they went back to the drawing board after the check came out. And they actually did refund me for the queso and then they noticed that my award rewards program had accrued a five dollar coupon which they simply applied right to this check very cool yeah that's how i would have done it yeah it's the right choice
2: yeah but yeah that was our chain restaurant experience for today yeah
1: all but all systems are go i did eat a a chimichanga with
2: chili con carne on it chili
1: con carne i'm i'm all beefed up (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm right i got that authentic uh, Tex-Mex Cuisine.
2: I had rice, beans, and a pepper stuffed with cheese.
1: Yeah, yours looked different. It was good. I, I liked it. You enjoyed it? it? Oh, yeah, I Thumbs did. up? Thumbs up. Good. Thumbs up. So we we have, there is a movie. The movie that we're going to talk about today is an older one, finally. we went. Hold on, I want to
2: talk more about chain restaurants. Well, yeah. I,
1: well, okay. I was just doing a little setup.
2: You can set up. Go ahead. Do your setup. No,
1: it's over. No,
2: talk, no, 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 no. Now you have to.
1: Well, we, All right. So the movie we watched today is one of my personal favorites, actually. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it a little bit at the end of the bullet train episode.
2: Yes. We said we were going to do a podcast on it. Therefore, it should not be surprising. Also, it's in the name of the episode.
1: Yeah. It's called The Mexican, which is sort of a funny name. Uh, we'll get into the movie in a minute. I just wanted to say this is the first episode, I think, where we've where we've dove, we've managed to dovetail our dining experience.
2: Into the actual
1: Into the subject matter of the film in a way that's right. that sort of I don't yeah. like, we we've done a little Italian here and there. We've we've had other meals, mm-hmm. but I don't think anything has ever been no we we had Mexican
2: food and now we we we're going to talk about a movie called The Mexican. The Mexican. And
1: it's really it's a and I mean we'll get into more of this conversation later Yeah. but it is about a, how there's a th- real through line of the idea of uh, Americans expectations of Mexico. Yeah. And I feel like on the border really is that it's like a mm-hmm. it's like an idea of Mexico. But it's is, not anything that, like it is probably yeah. very inauthentic. Anyway, yeah. we'll get to that in a minute but we do have other we do have other
2: I have a chain restaurant thing to talk about. Okay, what is it? So Merms um, recently took a trip to Montana.
1: Bravo. And Wait, while... do you know why? No. That's interesting.
2: I don't know. I mean I imagine it was a vacation, but I didn't I didn't prod that that deeply. Hmm. But Merms was in Montana. Um seemed like like Mers and Fam were having a phenomenal time. Very cute pictures.
1: Are the Badlands in Montana?
2: No, those are in South Carolina, South Dakota, South Carolina, North- <laughs> South Dakota, Dakota. Yeah.
1: yeah, the Badlands are in Dakota. We are, camped uh, there. What's there? What's in Montana? I don't know. It's Big Sky Country. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's just you know, Montana. Your or your place.
2: wife, myself, and our friend Greg all camped in the Badlands. And there was a torrential downpour and it flooded our tents and we wound up sitting in the car.
1: Sounds like the very Badlands.
2: Yeah, it was bad. Bad, Badlands camping.
1: All right, so Merms. Merms
2: was in Montana.
1: Super fan number one Merms. And
2: they visited a restaurant, um, which it seems is a chain restaurant, called Staggering Ox.
1: Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to play... Merms has called in and left me a voicemail. I'm sorry, but staggering is already actually—it's already good, right? Nothing good. Staggering, no, nothing good has ever been described as staggering. That Porsche staggered across the finish line. (laughs) So,
2: as we listen to Merms' voicemail, I am hoping that you will go to staggeringox.com.
1: The surgeon staggered into the operating room and
2: uh, take a look at um at the website for this place. I'm president. Staggered off Air Force One. <laughs> he also has sent me some photos, which I'm very excited about. So those can go on the gram. So yeah, I'll post them on the Instagram for for staggering ox. So so Alfred, um, I'm gonna press play on this voicemail.
1: This our first guest on this podcast, right?
2: Yeah, although this isn't live. He's dead. No, <laughs> this is pre-recorded. Oh, I mean, staggering.
1: <laughs> I don't know voicemail. if the staggering ox wants us to play this. <laughs>
2: I want Merms to do an episode with us. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. We'll see how this goes. I'm going to play
1: this voicemail. Are you going to stop and start it so we can talk about what he's saying in the middle of it or are we going to play the whole thing?
2: I'm going to... It is three and a half minutes long. Uh, So if you would like, say stop and I'll pause it. Okay. Are you ready? I, I guess. Here we go.
3: Hey, Madeline. Hey, Alfred. This is Mike. This is Merms. Long time, first time. I wanted to share a really deranged restaurant experience Inspired by all of your great on the border tales that I love so much. Um, my wife Kathy and my son Moshe and I went to Helena, Montana to visit an old law school buddy. There we and go. And while we were there, like on our first day in Helena, we heard about this sandwich called the Clubfoot Sandwich that comes, it's like in a bread bowl and it's very weird. And, Not and, a good and start. Uh, so a few days later, we decided to go to the restaurant that's. Said-
2: I'm pausing it now i just want to tell you about the photo of this bread bowl this is good i don't know if he's going to go more into it but i i feel like it's worth discussing so he sent me a picture and the picture just looks like a block of bread like a a tin can of bread (laughs) Which I'm showing you the photo right now, if you can see that. Yeah, it so looks like a
1: stack of hash browns. It,
2: yeah, it's a tin, it looks like a, a bread put into a tin can it and look, baked. It
1: looks almost and like, then hollowed out. It almost looks like a um a transparent uh iced coffee cup. Yes. Full of bread.
2: And then there's some lettuce and other sandwich bits but, coming out of the top.
1: But you're probably picturing the bread sliding down like um long i'll say long ways but it looks more like it's stacked yeah piece after piece stacked up this thing is sitting up yeah
2: it's straight up it's sitting on its butt which is something i would say about burritos is like you know if a burrito is good if you can stand it up on its own
1: i have never heard that before
2: that i'm the only one who ever said that so we must have not really had burritos together burritos are
1: very pyramid shaped though yeah. I if like my burrito to be
2: a full triangle. You could
1: stand a Madeline in Have you ever seen the lobster? The lobster in Vegas. Yeah. That's my burrito. That that's that big bass pro so, shop.
2: So yeah, this is a, a sandwich that stands up like a burrito. Yeah. I'm terrified of it. All right, I'm gonna hit play. You yeah, ready? No,
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't be excited if that was delivered to me. I how mean, I would do you, be. Can
2: you do you pick it up? And eat? I don't know how to eat that.
1: You just go face first, arms behind your back,
2: <laughs> like bobbing apples, like bobbing for apples. Yeah, but you have to unhinge
1: your jaw like a snake. Uh, no, you just eat it slowly, slowly outside in.
3: All right, I'm hitting play. Ready? There's a club foot sandwich. It's called the staggering ox, and it's like the kind of sandwich place you'd find at any college town. Uh, kind of like a little bit psychedelic A little bit weedy um, And so we went And we ordered the club foot sandwich And um, the, I, the, the, in the- <laughs> I, I sent that on pictures And I hope you guys maybe Could look at them and, and reflect on them It's a totally It's like a melted, deranged Moldering uh, 60s psychedelic Flashback from the 90s sort of thing It's very hard to explain it's also in like a essentially empty uh, shopping uh, shopping mall that's just totally decrepit.
2: Oh, I, I accidentally paused it. Well, that he brought time. his
1: children to an empty shopping mall. <laughs> and he, what he described as a moldering sandwich, <laughs> well, which in his own words you, was a '60s psychedelic I, I flashback of the '90s. I wanted to the show 90s.
2: you the, the inside of this place. So, like yeah it that's kind of what it looks like like it looks like the entrance has a giant sign that says ox and then a bunch of like
1: standees from movies like there's a pulp fiction standee i don't want to make fun of a place uh, i'll be honest i'm I'm not down to hurt no people we want to make a... fun of this place yeah but these are people this
2: is from flintstone
1: i get the impression that it might not have the resources of a of an on the border um based on the no. one photo that i've now seen i'm
2: gonna tell you once you see the inside they do. They've just mismanaged said resources. Okay. So that's, that's more of the inside right there. Okay. So, I mean, it honestly looks like a, it doesn't have a full ceiling and it's got all these weird metal works and I don't know. Let me, I'm going to hit play again. Let's okay. keep listening.
3: Um, and there are uh, movie cut out stand-ins in one corner and um, sort of racist or racialized like, uh indigenous masks on the wall and just it's just none of it makes sense and all of it is um decaying in a certain way uh-huh. and all the menu items which if you want to go to like i bet staggeringox.com you could uh you could see the names of their sandwiches but a lot of the names are very edgy including like three mile island and chernobyl meltdown oh boy um and the most insane one, uh, Yo Mama Osama. Uh,
0: so
3: it's just got a very um, bad vibe feeling. It's like people were into being hippies, and then they just never let it go. And it just got, they scared away everyone. And for some reason, they had, had enough money uh, to keep doing what they're doing, and no one wants it. Stop it here. It's weird.
2: Yeah,
1: just paused. The uh, the website is not optimized for mobile. No, it looks really weird, right?
2: It looks like a GeoCities site.
1: Yeah, it looks very old.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what he's saying. It's like old hippies who had enough money to keep doing what they were doing, but didn't have the expertise. Like that is what this reads as to me.
1: There's a little burrito guy called Baconzilla. Oh, that's you. Look at him. He looks he looks like a wild. Bacon.
2: Oh boy, what is happening with his? Well,
1: he's going to radiate. Is there bacon Eddie. coming out of his crotch? Well, I think that's in the burrito. I think.
2: Okay, so he's. I, I clicked that's on that's not the burrito. That. That's the sandwich. It's the weird standing bread sandwich.
1: You don't think that's like a burrito?
2: No, that's the sandwich. That's the bread. You want it to be a burrito because that would make more sense.
1: Man, loads of bacon and locally grown tomatoes, plus lettuce, stuffed into a club foot.
2: It's called baconzilla
1: stuffed into a club club foot, foot. a club foot. That's the name of the bread. They put a registered trademark symbol after the club foot. Weird. Mayo can also be added inside upon request at no additional charge.
2: All right, I'm going to hit play.
3: You ready?
1: This big bed.
3: It also just in the huge building that has like a bar possibly in the back called red Atlas that nobody was at. You had to go to order. Uh, it was a very strange experience. Um, and the club foot sandwich is, is baked in a tin can or something, or maybe it comes from canned bread. Oh, it and is. And they stuff the sandwich full of fillings. Um, yeah. We got the veggie. Uh, it was to my, And then they pour dressing on it. And we got Chipotle Ranch and Horsey Blues, which was a blue horseradish. And to my taste, it was gross. Uh, the mushrooms were uncooked. So it was just like know, it was an old salad bar in a bread Ooh. can. I recommend if you're ever in hell hell enough to go because it's completely melted, Uh, but don't recommend because it is bad. It's very bad. All right. I love the show. Uh, Keep on entertaining me and uh, and entertaining the world. Oh,
1: that was such
2: a good message.
1: Well, you are welcome, Merms. Merms is the best. Listen, I'm going to be honest. It's a bit of a mixed message because you you in no uncertain terms Mm -hmm. describe it as bad. Yeah. But we do want to go.
2: Yes, well, that's what he said. I recommend it, but it's bad. <laughs> I mean, looking at this website, it's fucking deranged. Yeah, it's old. I'm I'm in awe of the the club foot sandwich.
1: Yeah, what's something else like that? I'm trying to think of a. It's almost like a. I mean, it's bread bowl esque I guess what I, I didn't realize a bread bowl was something like uh this feels like a like a like a muffin almost. They have, they have yeah. a little can, a, a can uh-oh, tin can. <laughs> and you put the egg in and you boil the egg in the can. So they've done that with bread. and then they stuff the bread. It's like a it's almost like a jelly donut, but it's a whole sandwich.
2: Oh wow. So I just looked at the current special for the one in Billings, Montana. So it looks like each individual restaurant has a its own special.
1: I guess we should probably tag
2: staggering ox. Staggering ox in our. Yeah, I don't mind telling these people that we think that they're terrible. Well, I didn't say that. I Again, did. I've
1: been I've been careful not to say anything mean about them.
2: So what it looks like to me is um so the the special at Billings Montana is called the Texas Land Grab barbecue beef brisket sandwich. So um it's beef brisket crowned with Monterey Jack cheese generously drowned in a savory barbecue sauce on a bed of lettuce and contained in any of our clubfoot breads. But then it has uh, the it, shape of Texas.
1: Does it have more? could you get like te- with club? a Confederate flag? Well, that's the land grab. Is yeah. there? Could you get like a clubfoot rye sandwich? Wow.
2: I don't know yet. But underneath that it has musical what? notes and then it says this land was your land. Now, it is my land. From national forests, all the section quarters, this land was made for rich folks like me. And then there's a, a cartoon man with a shotgun who, honestly, that actually might be Dick Cheney.
1: Do you think that this is a... Well, I think Cheney's then, from Wyoming, right?
2: Yeah, but this looks like an, a cartoon of Dick Cheney, and it says, ain't nobody says he don't like Texas barbecue. I, I
1: don't know how much of this we need on the cast. We're talking... <laughs>
2: I mean, this restaurant's out of control. Is
1: the restaurant being critical of
2: Texas? I don't know. That's really what's puzzling me. Is it As It, it kind of to, seems...
1: Because to call anything a land grab sounds bad.
2: I mean, I just went to the 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 Butt, Montana, and their that's special... Pronounced, that's pronounced Butte. But, butte. Yeah. <laughs> their, their special is... um I don't know what it's called because I think it's Major Cajones, but it's cut off. It's like they didn't do the image rate for the sizing on the website. So. Well... I can't really tell. This is uh, We're giving a
1: lot of feedback to people that didn't ask for it. (laughs) I mean, this is gold.
2: We're going to go to Montana.
1: I don't think I'm going to go to Montana.
2: We're not going to go to Montana. I don't
1: think there's enough there for me to... I mean, you couldn't even name one thing apart from this restaurant that I was directed to avoid. (laughs) By the person who visited.
2: So we've had the experience.
1: We Rushmore is also in the Dakotas, right? Yeah, that's in South is Dakota Is nothing also. in
2: Montana? No, I don't know anything in Montana. Other than a place that looks like it's called Butt.
1: There's a town in Montana that changed its name to Joe.
2: That's pretty cool. So
1: that it could be Joe Montana.
2: Ah, oh, that's actually sick. I like that. <laughs> you mean deranged? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's a yeah, that's evidence of a d- disease.
2: So we did receive one other listener message. This I, is an email. Um, yeah. Okay. And I, I actually I'm gonna send it to you as so this message uh, came in anonymously. So this was sent to the Madeline and her attorney at gmail.com email and then was forwarded to myself from the
1: producers. No return address.
2: No return address. There's no signature, no return address. So I've now forwarded the message that I received from the producers to Alfred so that Alfred could actually read.
1: But it was typed up on a computer. It yes, wasn't like a scanned copy was definitely of, a, an email. of a scrawled note or anything.
2: I mean, unless the producers transcribed it.
1: That seems like something they wouldn't do.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think those they've put that are, much
1: work in for us. Those guys are not that industrial. No, do you want to read this right now?
2: Yeah. let's. So, oh, so this I is, haven't read it before. No, you've not read this. It's a cold read.
1: Yeah. Dear Madeline and her attorney, I just discovered your podcast and it's quickly becoming one of my favorites. I actually ugly laugh, like ugly crying, but laughing out while listening. <laughs> I bet this podcast will blow up someday. Oh, oh, that's a threat. (laughs) It's definitely a threat. (laughs) You both have really good podcasting voices and the sound quality is better than certain more well-known podcasts that I listen to. I must admit, I haven't seen any of the movies that you've talked about prior to listening, but you make me want to watch them. Except Morbius. No. My husband watched it on a plane and also did not like it. I watched The Ruins. Because of this podcast and thoroughly enjoyed it, even though I hated all of the kids. But I think I was supposed to. (laughs) Anyway, I am so sorry about the Queso Club. That truly is a tragedy that nobody (laughs) should have to go through. I bought Queso because of you guys. Okay, cool. I'm not sure that helps us.
2: I like it though.
1: Yeah, wow. I sound like a stalker, but I really like this podcast.
2: Oh, man.
1: It makes me forget that I know Madeline personally. Oh, so I know
2: this person. Because
1: she sounds too cool to be someone who would actually talk to me.
2: That's not true. But also
1: sounds like a fun person that I'd wish I could hang out with but wouldn't have the guts to ask. Oh, do I actually know this person? Did you want me to read this on purpose? I didn't read it. (laughs) I feel the same way about Alfred the Attorney. Sorry for such a long email. I am enjoying a cocktail at the moment and I am totally geeking out about this podcast. I would love to hear your commentary on the movie Creep. It's my favorite horror movie. Please don't judge me. I'm not as experienced as you guys at watching movies. I, I mean thought, I thought that was a very sweet. Yeah, that's incredibly endearing. And very drunk email. I, I mean, we are gonna judge.
2: I don't know who wrote
1: it. Now you've you've have you gendered this 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 author? Did you say her? Well,
2: they said husband. I'm so I'm afraid that it's doesn't mean anything. A gay man or a woman. Right. So yeah, you're so right. That doesn't mean anything. You've narrowed it anyone. down. I've, n- I've narrowed it down. To not a heterosexual man.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this person seems terrific. They, no, unaddressed, un, un, unsigned. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. We yeah. won't read all your emails. Uh, well, maybe all of we your might. emails, but we won't read all your emails because eventually we have to just talk about.
2: I, I mean, if our podcast got popular enough that we've got a lot of emails, we wouldn't read all the emails.
1: Actually, as a challenge. Yeah. If you want, if you guys could spread the word and make this podcast explode, like. Gently. Make it blow up. Make it blow up. I promise you, I will read all of the emails.
2: Yeah, we'll read all the... We'll do email episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a third series within... Because we have our regular episodes, we have our non episodes, and then we'd have the email episodes.
1: Yeah, we have Morbin Time. Morbin Time. Morbin Time is like every quarter. It's mm-hmm. a quarterly.
2: Yeah. But, um, I mean, also, the movie Creep. There's two movies I know of called Creep. That's Duplass, right? Uh, one is, yes, the, the found footage horror movie starring uh, Mark, Mark Duplass. Yeah, that's
1: probably the one that this, this that's person That's on Netflix. Speaking that movie's
2: with. very good. But then there's a, I believe, German film called Creep that takes place in in a subway.
1: I guess it could be either. That movie's sick, too. My suspicion, so. though, is it's the Duplass one. I imagine. Because they made a sequel out of that one, right?
2: uh yeah creep two and there's gonna be a creep three you
1: know you know what movie i used to love when i would catch it on wpix 11 as a kid what night of the creeps that's a great movie i love it that's
2: a really good movie actually i'm impressed by your because that that is a movie that like didn't get a dvd no i want but
1: i've probably seen it five times because it used to play on channel 11 in my house
2: yeah that movie sunk into obscurity and then kind of the cult following brought it back
1: it's really fun yeah it's good detective that's a thrill Thrill me me. i love it yeah thrill me (laughs) thrill me it's a really neat movie. It's a good take on the creepy crawlies and zombies. Yeah, if I recall correctly.
2: Yes, no, it is. It yeah. is like a creepy like, crawly alien it parasites. Kind of feels like there's aliens too. And zombies. Yeah. No, there are aliens. Oh, the little, too. Creeps, yeah. are the the little aliens. creeps are the little creeps are aliens. I think. Yeah. I think. And My I recollection seen it in of that in a while. movie
1: is they, they go in your mouth and then they take over your body. Yeah,
2: they're like yurks.
1: But there's a scene at the end where there's a whole lot of them. I, yeah. I, as a kid, I gave it gave me the creeps. Do
2: you know what a yurk is?
1: I don't think so. Okay. I'm sorry. I, just, I didn't I didn't catch that, actually. If you, you know say?
2: what a yerk is, send an email to and, Madeline and her attorney at gmail.com. I guess
1: I'll read it. But I'm and beg- then
2: Alfred will know what a yerk is.
1: I'm begging you not to just like link a, a Wikipedia page or copy paste.
2: Because then Alfred has to read the entire Wikipedia page.
1: And I can do it. I can do it well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll make it sound dramatic.
2: Yeah. He'll read it like a closing
1: argument. Well, not like that. You will. Listen, when I close it... <laughs> <laughs> What happens when you close when, an argument? When I close an argument, I make a I make a ton of noise. Oh boy! I scream. <laughs> I shit. <laughs> I cry when I think it might work. Do you win? I, what did I say earlier? I'm the I'm the top dog right now. I'm I'm in the I'm, I'm in pole position in my office.
0: It's the shit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a dry eye in the house. Oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) So. It's um... an acrid smell.
2: Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or do you want to talk about the Mexican? Uh, do we have
1: any other interaction from anybody else? Any notes from the producers? No, that was it. Okay. No, I think we can just move right along. How, what's our t- where, are we, where are we at with time right now? 40 minutes. All right. So that's, that's a good little. Perfect.
2: Pre- it's the middle. That's
1: a nice appetizer. Yeah. <laughs> we talked a lot about food. We're halfway through. <laughs> we read that uh, genuinely uh, lovey, lo- lovely email. Yeah. You listen to Merv's totally tear down Helen in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they call the sandwiches club foot sandwiches.
2: It's it, this place. Do you know what a
1: club foot is? No, tell me. Oh, it's it's a medical condition. Kids are I born thought, with feet that don't like. Okay, the I bones thought it was. Come. Yeah, a, I, I I did know that. I just like was afraid. A, openly appalling.
2: I was afraid a, to, that
1: that was what it was. I mean, it'd be like that'd be like a Subway sandwich on uh, a cleft palate. Yeah. you know, panini like. Cleft palate panini. Why would you do that? You could do anything. You could name it anything. Just call it canned bread. Just call Bread. <laughs> yeah, holy smoke. <laughs> uh, maybe clubfoot's like a <laughs> an enduring quality in Montana. Oh, yeah, sorry, absolute nightmare. Really not my cup of tea.
2: Yeah, so um we both watched a Gore Verbinski film, which I had not previously seen. Uh,
1: and it's possible that eagle here, viewers of our listeners of our podcast, have heard me describe myself. It's possible that I haven't said this, but it's possible that I have. Oh, you have. I've described described myself, I think, on the on the air, on the wax, as uh, Gore Verbinski, super fan number one. Yep. I really, uh, I am surprised by how much I enjoy Gore Verbinski, and I started to notice a trend. There are certain visual distinctions, things that are that are in his sort of a kit, I guess, shots that he likes to use in movie after movie, and I love him. He, He and I are on the same frequency, so. I first noticed that this movie was a Gore Verbinski movie when it was playing on cable back in the old times. And uh, there's this one shot of of a character sitting in a chair and a, in front of a window with the drapes billowing gently in while the sun sort of uh, is filtered by the drapes. And I'm like, boy, that looks like a Gore Verbinski shot. And it was. I'm like, this guy, man. I love this guy. <laughs> He's probably most famous for directing Pirates of the Caribbean.
2: I mean, this is his second movie, his second feature. Right. So, I mean, he had quite a career before um, he started making features. So I just brought up his his um, IMDb page, and I'm just going to read to you the first sentence on his IMDb page because he's just wonderful. Gore Vervinsky, one of American cinema's most inventive directors, was a punk rock guitarist as a teenager and had to sell his guitar to buy his first camera. Oh, uh. Which is pretty cool. And that also kind of explains the start of his career. So when he started working in 1989, he was a music video director. And he did videos for Bad Religion and No FX. And another band I don't know that I assume is probably a punk band called Vicious Rumors. Um, And it was not until 1995 when he truly broke out with what, you know, uh, debatably is his best work. The Budweiser
1: Frogs commercial. Okay. I, you threw me a, a curveball there and I did miss it. I, did, I was about to say, I don't think that was his best word. But yeah, no. His, his largest cultural footprint might be, at least for a, a decade, those, the
2: Budweiser Frogs commercial.
1: Yeah, now it's got to be the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? No, the, it absolutely is. Yeah.
2: yeah. Like I was making a, a, I was doing a bit about the Frogs.
1: The Frogs thing was really big though. If you, if, so it was I, huge. I was born in 1980. And yeah. so, um, those frogs were shockingly culturally relevant.
2: I mean, there was a a weird brainwashing that happened with, you know, I don't know, America, where people <laughs> wanted to watch the Super Bowl for the commercials.
1: Yeah, the ads. People and I love think
2: it. the frogs are part of that. Really, like, is one of the major things that started that. Like, was Budweiser doing catchy commercials before the frogs?
1: Well, it was almost like, It was almost like ahead of its time in that the commercial was not even close to about anything. No. And and frankly, it didn't even make any sense until the last like three seconds of the ad. Yeah. Because it was just three frogs making single syllabic sounds. Yeah. Until they got it in the right sequence and it came out to Bud, Wise, Err. Yeah. I mean, I remember that. But those ads were such a big deal that there was a spinoff of those ads Mm -hmm. that featured, I think, a chameleon. That wanted to assassinate the frogs.
2: Wait, is that real? Yeah. I didn't know about that. The only, the thing I know next is the WhatsApp. The, like that's the well, only.
1: The, well, the three frogs only, can the, the three frogs only ever said one syllable apiece, bud, yeah. wise, what? and her. Er. And then like a year or two in, there was this lizard, a gecko or a chameleon. Right. Probably a Rango. Whatever Rango was, it was probably that specific because I'm visualizing it. It looks exactly like Rango. So I think it was a puppet yeah. puppet or like an animatronic. But the the chameleon or whatever it was, um, he said, "Can you believe these frogs?" Two years in, b- biggest biggest commercial in Super Bowl history, and then another little lizard was like, "Yeah, well, what are you gonna do?" And the chameleon said we could assassinate them. <laughs> and his friend said, What? He said, I said we should congratulate them.
2: They were they were puppets. The yeah. frogs were puppets. This is like pre-CGI. It's 95.
1: Yeah. I know, but my point is yeah. I can vividly recall the yeah. plot of the chameleon to assassinate the frogs. I just think
2: it's kind of cool that they they were puppets and they were good-looking puppets too. Man, I I, I kind of respect this commercial, but I do think the idea that like being um a spectator for the purpose of watching <laughs> Ads and look as a fourteen like, year that's old weird or, or and horrifying. My
1: birthday is at the end of the year, so if it was ninety five, yeah. I was probably fourteen when I mm-hmm. saw that. It was funny. Yeah, I mean, I was a kid. I was like eight. So, and I actually didn't really watch football. So as I was an eight year old. I was probably I. one of these kids yeah. that was there. at, no, at me a too. I was too. Football party. A yeah. Super football party. A Super Bowl party. Yeah.
2: Like my dad would do a whole thing. We'd get like wings and dips and all that, yeah. and my brother and I would watch the ads.
1: And I could, I mean, I didn't know what the fuck was happening until you the understand game. the rules of football. It does. Yeah. It feels pretty arbitrary. Watching it as an outsider must m- make no sense at all, and that's how most kids start—just mm-hmm. watching a bunch of guys tumble around.
2: So yeah, he had this bizarre cultural stamp in the mid '90s, and then he, two years later, made his first film, um, which I saw in theaters,
1: *Mouse Hunt*. Yeah, I did too.
2: Which I feel like when... That
1: movie was out in theaters when I was working at the theater around the corner.
2: Oh, that's great. When people find out that Gore Verbinski directed Mouse Hunt, that's always kind of a trip.
1: Yeah, that's the film that is the least like those that follow.
2: Yeah. Mouse Hunt scared the shit out of me as a child because of its violence. It's extraordinarily violent. And the violence is like committed by the mouse.
1: Yeah, it's a movie about. It's almost like a raw doll story. I don't oh, know that it was written by
2: Adam Rifkin,
1: but it's that's about that's great about two men who want to get rid of one mouse and are co- incredibly overmatched. Yes, and and they bring in Christopher good Walken. cast. It's is Nathan a, Lane. Yeah,
2: and I believe um, Lee Evans, who actually I'm, I'm I know far less about. Lee I think Evans. he was
1: also in There's Something About Mary, Rider And The, the same Fifth Element.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but Nathan Lane is one of the two guys who's I believe a chef. Trying to kill the mouse. This is pre um, Ratatouille. Alfred's favorite they, movie. No, they
1: they they inherit a string factory, if I recall correctly. Oh, and so they got all these machines, and there's a uh, mouse in the works. Yeah, the rec- My recollection is at the very end, they drop. Che- they have all these mouse traps, and they drop cheese into the string machine, and it turns into string cheese, and they all end up. Uh, getting rich and famous getting rich and famous w- with the mouse I kind want, of like acknowledging I really want, the I mouse I'm going to rewatch Mouse Hunt Christopher Walken is called in and peak Christopher Walken this is just after Pulp Fiction Christopher Walken damn to to exterminate the mouse
2: yeah droppings in the dining room <laughs> i'm gonna rewatch mouse hunt i just remember it, it like fucking me
1: up as a kid i don't think i'd do that now no i'm gonna now you watch that them cut that guy's legs off in the ruins the mouse hunt is gonna be relatively uh, benign yeah use but the like same word. I,
2: i've rewatched the witches recently which that is a real doll story yeah um directed by nick rogue back in the, the late 90s or the late 80s actually is Miller one of the witches? she will, mm, no you're thinking of hocus pocus i am yeah, Thank you. Um, Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. And she's fucking phenomenal in it. Um, the Witches is scary.
1: I've heard that about The And witches. I remember Mouse, Mouse Hunt
2: having a similar effect on me, of me just being very upset by the content because it was too dark, even though it was for children. Yeah,
1: but nobody actually gets hurt. I mean, it's, it's almost like a Bugs Bunny cartoon or a Tom No, Jerry that is cartoon. exactly
2: what it. Is. It seems like it should be an animated film, but people, it's not. Yeah,
1: people are like yeah. knocked over and fall down the stairs. You know, it's got a similar vibe to... Home Alone and yeah. uh, um, Money Pit. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, an, an increasingly, in fact, I, Money Pit might be a good example, just an increasingly like uh, desperate attempt to control a territory. Yeah. I remember Nathan Lane doing all the press for that movie. I remember this so well. I don't know why. It's like <laughs> clear in my mind, and he had the same joke, and he used it on every talk show. Yeah. And uh, they said, how, how "Did you? Was it? Was that one?" Everybody would ask him, "Was that just one one really remarkable mouse?" He's like, "No, we had like hundreds of mice, you know, and they're surprisingly intelligent animals. You could get them to do almost anything if you just squeeze their little heads." <laughs> And every and every host was like, Oh no. He's like, I'm just I'm only I'm only kidding. <laughs> Nathan Lee rules. Yeah, Nathan like have you seen um Only Murders? Yeah. Yeah,
2: I just finished it. Season I seven. love it. I, love, I it love Only Murders in the Building. I and love... he's so good in it. Steve
1: Martin's my like my all time sort of number one guy. I mean Martin
2: Short's kind of my all-time number one guy. Yeah. And uh yeah.
1: I'm, I'm so pleased to see Steve Martin do, do something that is uh understated and, and intelligent. I feel like it's just it's dignified and funny. He's great in it. Yeah. And he has such Steve Martin is a guy who had so much going for him, mm-hmm. and he made some of the most important movies to me. Yeah, and then he had this long stretch, like twenty-five years, where I didn't want to see one thing he did. Yeah, it, it all just looked like shit to he me. He
2: was just in a whole bunch of kind of family-friendly yeah. Disney movies. and I don't
1: mind that. You make money; people love them. People love those movies, yeah. you know. But I just couldn't—I couldn't believe it. I'm like, mm-hmm. this guy could do anything, I, and I guess he just likes was money, just taking paychecks. And, yeah, yeah. And some, yeah. I, there was a—but uh,
2: he's kind of come back around now.
1: Yeah, there was a yeah. uh, when I was in college. So this have been. Two thousand and one or so, there's this Comedy Central uh, look at you know Steve Martin. It was like almost like a almost like a documentary, but it was only probably thirty minutes long. And uh, somebody uh, somebody was asked a question about the stuff that he was most famous for and the stuff that he's done more recently. And uh, the, the interviewer knew him, and he said, "Well, Steve Martin is a brilliant comedian, and he also loves Edward Hopper paintings." And, it, it, and that says a
0: lot yeah and so
1: you make the house then you get the Edward Hopper you know then then he gets to make something then he writes an article for the New Yorker that makes everybody remember who he is yeah and then he gets to make uh, I don't know whether uh the, he made that movie about about having ten kids or something. Like
2: yeah, b- he, bringing down the house. No,
1: that's not it. That's another oh. one that he made. I mean, he just made so many that's of these the same, interchangeable the same Steve Martin, yeah. you know, nothing movies. The Pink Panther with him was nothing. Yeah, he made every movie that he made depressed me because he's also responsible for my Blue Heaven, an L.A. Story, and yeah, uh, yeah, Roxanne is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, and the jerk. The jerk is okay. That's a little before oh, my time. Oh,
2: that's see, the jerk is like my stepdad's movie. Yeah, my dad, my dad yeah. loved the jerk, mm-hmm. and my aunt
1: Sally loved the jerk, but. uh It was a little before my time. It has that same sort of, there's a looseness to it like that you see in Animal House and um, Caddyshack. There's just something about it that's a little off by by, by even my standards. And All of Me. All of Me is excellent.
2: All of Me is one of those movies that my mom had me watch as soon as I was interested in movies. I have
1: to assume All of Me was a big deal to Jim Carrey who who kind of did that act for the rest of his career. Yeah, pretty much. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid is a fascinating experiment. Have you ever Mm -hmm. seen that one?
2: Uh, no, I have not
1: It's shot in thrilling Detecto vision black and white yeah he wrote it with Carl Reiner every there's oh, only I think there's only three actors or four actors that are actively working on the movie yeah every other person in the movie is simply. Uh, cut from a pre-existing movie. So Humphrey Bogart's in it. But oh. It's just, it's just a scene that Humphrey Bogart was in. So this is re-edited footage. And it's Steve Martin having a conversation with Humphrey Bogart from... This is Kung Pao shit. From the, from the Maltese Falcon, but they're just... Yeah. B- but he's just saying gibberish to make Humphrey Bogart's responses seem insane. It's when did this movie come out? 81 or 82. So
2: this is like... So I always thought that um, Kung Pao Enter the Fist the Steve Odenkirk movie that okay. I like I w- as soon as that came out I was in love with it and I've watched it a million times um, I think it's one of the funniest things ever made but it's you know dumb as fuck and also was marketed very specifically with one scene that is maybe the least funny scene in the whole film um, but I it. always credited Woody Allen's um, what is it What's Up Tiger Lily?
1: Well that's, that might precede Dead Man It, do- it probably
2: does but yeah. it actually sounds like that is more related to what Kung Pao is because Kung Pao is old kung fu movies, yeah. ed- and he's
1: edited himself into. it. I see. Yeah, I don't know. And yeah. he's talking gibberish. Well, that sounds almost exactly the same then. Yeah, I mean, it's not gibberish. It's because he also tells. He like,
2: talks gibberish and then he uh, dubbed himself over, so he, his mouth wouldn't line up with what he was saying.
1: He tells a pretty compelling noir yeah. detective yeah. story, but it's but it's very much. Oh, I gotta watch that. We should. That'd be we a fun. We We should watch that. I don't I'm, know if you can I'm get like, anywhere.
2: I can find it. I can find just about anything. I'm one of I'm one of those those like grew up as a bootlegger, you know, trading
1: DVDs in the mail. He says three times, I'm gonna make you a cup of my famous Java. And then you watch (laughs) him do it, and it's so it's so stupid. I mean I'm already laughing at that I'm gonna make you a cup of my famous Java. god i love that movie i love steve martin so i'm thrilled to see him in, in this other series now which is just yeah. a real true delight yeah i like anyway. that nathan lane brought us here
2: yeah okay so but back to his, Gore Verbinski. his second feature is the mexican which yeah. is the movie we're going to talk about and then he did the ring after that and i
1: loved it i think i saw it way back then i don't know if i saw yeah. it in theaters because 2001 i was in college i might have seen it in theaters but i've been watching it for about 20 uh, years are you now. talking
2: about the mexican or the ring
1: the mexican okay
2: yeah I had not seen it. This is my first time watching it.
1: How far down the line with Gore Verbinski do you want to go?
2: I mean, I'm just going to read his filmography because he actually has not made that many movies.
1: Do you want to now announce the plan? The tour?
2: Oh, yeah. uh, Tour de Gore. Tour de Gore. So we're thinking we might do a few Gore Verbinski films, maybe three. Um, We'll we'll figure out which they're going to be as we go. But this is the tour de Gore. Um, So this is tour de Gore one. Yeah. And that is the Mexican. The last yeah.
1: train out of Torridogor. <laughs> <Less. laughs>
2: so after the ring he does Pirates and that of course is really what makes him. Yes, yeah, a, a shocking a cultural, super super yeah.
1: phenomenon you. Yeah
2: um then he does the weatherman which i do suggest we do i
1: have not seen this oh line. you
2: haven't seen the weatherman this is
1: the only one i think i haven't seen i've seen
2: the weatherman i love the weatherman yeah. the weatherman is w-
1: really weird i remember seeing the ads for that one too uh,
2: yeah i i mean then i think he starts one walking of, around with a bow right a one arrow? of nick cage's best
1: yeah. um movies what year would that have been like 2003
2: it's 2005. So then we get two more Pirates movies and then we get Rango, which I've never seen Rango.
1: Oh, Rango is right in the yeah. same wheelhouse as uh, the Mexican.
2: Actually, this is the end for me. I've seen the three Pirates movies. I, I, now I've seen Mouse Hunt Mexican ring the three Pirates and the Weatherman. So this is when my Gore Verbinski stops. I have not seen anything past that. So I haven't seen Rango. I haven't seen The Lone Ranger and I haven't seen Cure for Wellness. I
1: own The Lone Ranger on Blu-ray DVD.
2: I mean, doesn't that have the the cannibal? It, in it's it?
1: become problematic, yeah. or maybe maybe it was actually problematic from the jump because Johnny Depp. Johnny was, Depp is in it. <laughs> was playing a, a a Navajo, I think. Or yeah, a, I, don't, I don't recall. Although he claimed <laughs> that he had some lineage that a, made I it all right. I
2: think he claimed he was Cherokee, right? Something like that. Who yeah. knows it with him? I, no Sioux. one. I don't. I don't believe a word that comes out of Johnny Depp's right. mouth. Right. He's. A, he's a, I've he, said it on Mike.
1: He's a stupid clown.
2: Yeah, that's actually accurate.
1: He's fine as Jack Sparrow. And he's apparently going to do more of that.
2: And he shouldn't. You he know, makes kids happy when he dresses up as Jack I feel like he Jack could Sparrow's. get anybody to act like Keith Richards and put him in the wig that he's wearing. I don't
1: know. Look, I he, don't
2: think that's a role that requires Johnny Depp. Oh, Just here, bond
1: him. Here's my last bit on this and we can move forward. Yeah. I think that he didn't really understand exactly what he did in the first movie. The f- and, and this is going to sound this sounds silly because he's now made five of them.
2: It actually kind of makes sense. But
1: um, it's if you watch,
2: trying to be the guy he was. If in the you watch even
1: the second movie, it's already a slightly different and much more uninteresting personification. Yeah, he's he's doing a caricature or he's doing a an impression of himself. That first movie, there was no pre there was no pre recorded footage. There was nothing to go to. Yeah, and he just did whatever he felt like, and he actually came off as this kind of. Um, uh, I don't know, swashbuckling like
2: he becomes more of a pirate
1: he's more of a he's well he's cunning he's competent and yeah. he's and he's a little bit funny he's got the eye eyeliner mm-hmm. he's got a little bit of a like a, a swish yeah he's like he's drunk in the first one he, yeah but he's he's a little bit like ambiguous in the first movie yeah but he's never not um clever and you know, sort of in control. And every movie thereafter, he's playing this uh, f- afraid idiot character. Mm-hmm. It's it's a caricature from that point forward. And it's almost like he didn't really get it. And whatever. I mean, somebody else writes the script, but I don't mm-hmm. know. So he hit it once every other time thereafter that I've seen. And I've not seen the fourth yeah. and the fifth Pirates I've movies. only
2: seen through the third one and I feel like I'm one of the few people who actually thinks the third one is really good interesting yeah
1: no you're dumb it's ter- it's a terrible it's it's not it's even good It's weird
2: it's really surreal oh it's
1: super weird yeah that's true i
2: mean that's why i'm drawn to it
1: it's much weirder
2: yeah like would i call it good no but do i find it interesting absolutely i, I mean Fine. i've tried to rewatch Chief pirates richard of the Caribbean shows up in the third one right yeah really fucking weird
1: it's like a as one of the pirates i just always think about UN them like sailing
2: i think about them sailing into limbo and just like being in the weird white world and and how like all the crabs. strange that is yeah sure yeah but um I've tried to rewatch the first Pirates I mean it's definitely been like a decade since but it's boring sure it's a boring long movie uh, yeah
1: I, yeah I mean I'd it is probably still the best movie based on a slow moving theme park attraction. <laughs>
2: You know, no arguments there. I don't know. I
1: could be wrong, but I think that's <laughs> I probably still I, don't, I think it
2: might be the only one I've seen based on a slow-moving theme it, Park Attraction. It, it's a
1: small world after all. That probably hasn't been made into a movie. No, I don't think so. There's love, a ha- Haunted Mansion. Is there something called the Love Boat? Uh, is that a, a theme TV Park Attraction? Show? Yeah, but so, TV well, so show. that might be number one.
2: I mean, I think a, the Love Boat concept is like a, a an idea, like bumper cars. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Batman the Ride was based on the movie. So that doesn't, count. <laughs> that doesn't count. That's backwards. That's backwards.
2: Um they they turned a whole bunch of things at Disney that used to be unique concepts the into Jungle Cruise. Uh that's Jungle one. Cruise got turned into a movie that, is one. that the Rock yeah. is in. Um I didn't see that. They took that the like Mission to Mars. No, that's not Mission to Mars. Mission to Mars is a Brian De Palma movie with Gary Sinise. Um and at Disney there's a ride where Gary Sinise intros it and I screamed Gary Sinise when we were waiting to go in. And what? then greg chickened out because it was like a zero gravity thing um it, lilo and stitch became a ride that used to be like that's backwards. A, a mars that's thing backwards yeah also backwards so yeah yeah pirates of the caribbean very well may be the best film based on a ride
1: is there like a lazy river movie i don't think so yeah that's a, there's a missed opportunity yeah yeah <laughs> anyway the mexican let's the mexican. let's get on task Yes. I so, love this movie. I really enjoyed it so much. I hope you enjoyed it. This is your first
2: time watching it. I did. I okay. enjoyed it. Like, let's let's get that out of the way. I had a really good time. Do I love the movie? Probably not. Did I have a great time watching it? Absolutely. But it's also a rom com, it's not for me.
1: It's a rom com, but there's a lot it's in it. It's got thriller elements. It's got it's got those gore elements. But at the end elements.
2: of the day, it, it is a it is a romantic comedy.
1: I guess. Yeah. Yeah sure but it's sort of
2: a rom-com i'll take it over most others
1: like romancing the stone is probably exactly and i haven't seen that in 20 40 years probably at this point but uh the uh
2: you saw it when you were what two
1: probably it was on (laughs) tv a lot it was much like a night of the creeps it was just always on romancing the stone like but uh, yeah
2: like i i did think that the primary drive of the movie was romance Sh- sure. That yes, it's a crime story, but like the thing that every character is talking about and every character is striving for, who is at least a main character, winds up being romance.
1: Well, there's two plots, right? Is it yeah. fair to say there's two plots and they are connected? Of course, yes. they are not. It's and it's not like a mystery movie, yeah. Exactly. Although there is a little, a little intrigue.
2: Yeah. Do you want to give the just a plot synopsis?
1: The very basic plot synopsis is that Brad Pitt plays a guy named Jerry who owes something to a, uh, a crime boss named Mr. Margulies, mm-hmm. and he's been summoned to do one last job before his debt is paid. De- his, his debt to Mr. Margulies is resolved. Correct. And the debt, or rather the, the job, is it's simple. You just got to go pick something up and bring it back, which mm-hmm. it, which does tie in very nicely to, uh, to bullet train. his most recent movie. Yeah. yeah, like we'll talk about that. Yeah, and yeah. so he's got to go down into Mexico, pick up a parcel, there's a pistol, an old antique pistol.
2: No, right. I think he's picking up a person. No. Yes.
1: I don't know about that.
2: Yeah, he's picking up the grandson.
1: Well, it's possible. There, somebody has the, the...
2: No, they say go find the kid, bring the kid back.
1: Oh, uh, I, I don't recall that line, but that's fine.
2: Either way, he's looking for a kid who has a gun.
1: He's, yeah, I mean, he's directed to find a guy named Beck mm-hmm. who's in Mexico, and he's going to bring him... I, I guess he was going to bring him because they do walk out together. Yeah. But... Uh, and then everything, you know, it's it's sort of a it's it like turns a, to shit. Yeah, it's a, a yeah. comedy. Although of you've errors.
2: left out what I I think is maybe the most important part of the movie.
1: Well, that's that's the one thread. That's yeah. that's Brad Pitt's entire story, more or less. And mm-hmm. he's off on a he has a kind of rotating cast of people that he doesn't really know as he tries to make his way through Mexico. And then on the other the other forty percent of the movie, it features Julia Roberts. And frankly, I think my favorite Julia Roberts performance. As uh, his girlfriend.
2: Yeah. So in or- basically, I mean, it opens with the two of them. It doesn't open. I mean, honestly, actually, it opens with a fantastic shot. It's just a hold on a traffic light. Um, so you've got opening credits, you've got some music, you're hearing the sounds of LA, you're seeing a street that is very recognizably LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say what street it is, but the moment I saw it, I went, That's Los Angeles. I think it was Ventura, yeah, probably Ventura Avenue. Yeah, is it Avenue Boulevard? Boulevard. I think Boulevard, whatever, Ventura, whatever. I feel like cheryl Crowe taught me that it Angeles. was Los <laughs> Angeles. I lived right near there too, so I should know. Um, but yeah, it's a hold on a stoplight and. At the end of a very long shot, the light turns red and you hear a crash. Mm-hmm. And cut to Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt like and ag- Julia Roberts in bed.
1: Well, oh, yeah, Brad Pitt like looking into the camera kind of yeah. in, a, in a freaked out face. I, he's making a great. He makes a yeah. lot of great faces in this movie. And
2: then it pulls down to Julia Roberts smiling. <sighs> yeah, It's really, really, the opening is wonderful. Yeah. I, was, I was hooked right away from that. Um, just the traffic light I thought was such a cool way to introduce conflict. Without telling you at all what that conflict was, and then introduce the two main characters with kind of um, just like a, a drip of personality. Yeah. So she sm- they both look into the camera, and he looks terrified, and she is smiling um, blissfully. Mm-hmm. And then the movie starts, and and really, so they are a couple, and she disapproves of his job, and he has clearly tried to quit, but he keeps messing up. So he um, has to keep taking jobs. His
1: debt just can't get resolved. He can't
2: get rid of the debt because he keeps fucking up his jobs because he's got terrible luck.
1: Yeah. It's every time with you, Jerry.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I will say like almost like the cast of this movie is bonkers. Like within a few minutes, J.K. Simmons shows up the and heavy. he's got a full full head of hair. And I, I was like, oh, my God, J.K. Simmons. I
1: know, looking as dumpy as he ever will.
2: A moment, I mean, He looked adorable, actually. Yeah, like, like, big, 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 like bright so, eyes. He looked young. Yeah. yeah, like soft and young. Like he didn't, he looked more comedic. He didn't look like the serious dude who's going to beat up Miles Teller. The
1: sinister heavy yeah. the guy who threatens everybody in this movie is Bob Balaban.
2: Yes, Bob Balaban shows up moments after J.K. Simmons and I screamed. I love Bob Balaban. I know. I was so excited to see him. But he's actually like, he's the big bad. He's like
1: terrifying. Yeah. Almost everybody listening today would probably recognize Bob Balaban more immediately from any of the uh, improvised movies of uh, uh, you know Best in Show and yeah. so forth. I can't think of his um, name right now. Um, Chris
2: Christopher Guest. Guest. Chris yeah, Guest. he's a mainstay in the Christopher
1: yeah. Guest. He's very funny. He's, Bob got, he's incredibly Balaban, dry. To
2: me, is the director of a movie called Parents fantastic surreal horror movie from yeah? the 90s oh wonderful you would probably really enjoy parents it's weird um and he also uh is one of the stars of my absolute favorite episode of tom goes to the mayor the tim and eric uh, cutout show okay. yeah he's it's the fish and ellie's
1: episode yeah i don't know that either but yeah that's fine
2: oh my god it's great it 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 ends with him pointing at a plane and being like, Get me on that plane. And then it cuts to them on the plane. And it's just so bizarre. I love I love it. I love it so much. Go watch the Fish and Ellie's episode of Tom Goes to the Mayor. Okay. Cannot recommend enough. Um but yeah, Bob Balaban's one of the greats. He's also in Altered States, my favorite film of all time. I said The Empty Man was my favorite movie. Altered States is my favorite film of all time. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen
1: that actually.
2: We should do an episode of Altered States. That's fair. Yeah. Like we should that probably won't be anytime soon, but but that should be on the list.
1: Great. I'm happy to see that actually. It's
2: wonderful. It's so good. And it's got my boy William Hurt
1: in it. Oh, I like what well, he's gone. Rest I know, in, rest I in know.
2: Peace. Yeah, rest in peace, William Hurt. He he's he's a he was a powerhouse.
1: He was. He was excellent in the history of violence. Yeah.
2: And also it was a Ken Russell movie, Rest in Peace. Also a powerhouse. Aldred States is just like all around phenomenal.
1: That's great. Well, yeah, we'll put that on the deck. Like weird. Well,
2: but right, so Bob Balaban is in it.
1: Um, he effectively orders Pr- Brad Pitt to go on this mission against his yeah. request. He mm-hmm. said, I thought my last one was my last one. He said, well, fuck Which that he's
2: one not the boss. Bob Balaban works for the boss. Mr. Marcules. Mr. Marcules, who is revealed later to be played by Gene Hackman. And when he showed up, we were almost, like, we were pretty far into the movie. And I was like, holy fuck, Gene Hackman is here.
1: Yeah, he rolls in with 15 minutes to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, James Gandolfini plays a major role in the movie.
1: Major role. Um,
2: Honestly, my favorite character. Like... Yeah. he's wonderful yeah i'll say now like we've Rest already spoiled another a couple one things lost, another power if you have not seen the mexican and from what you've heard so far you think you would like to see the mexican stop listening right now go watch the mexican then listen to the last 20 to 30 minutes of this yeah broadcast. it's
1: a crime comedy rom-com with a little bit you of know, a spiritual it's supernatural long. quality it's a
2: it. little longer than i think it's two hours it long. needs to be but at the same time it's active you know, I, I felt tired after two hours, but I was never bored. That's
1: a Gore Verbinski thing too. Yeah. All too of long. his movies are a little bit extra. They, they like to yeah. he likes to pad them with it's this. It's uh, Yeah. He loves the supernatural. He likes to add like a a curse mm-hmm. to a movie, and there is a curse in this one. And I get I love I but see I love that little each time he hears a little bit more. We'll get to that in a sec, I guess. Yeah. But you were talking about Gandolfini.
2: Yeah, no, just that he's in it and he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. He,
1: he's magnetic. Every time he's on screen, you're in a scene. Where he's sitting in a car seat between Julia Roberts and Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. He draws focus. He does. He's He was a, an absolutely brilliant. He was a wonderful actor. I'm very sorry that he's gone too.
2: Yeah, me too. Rest in peace, James Gandalf. Yeah, I hope, I hope you're... Every time I see him in something that I haven't seen before, I'm like more impressed by him. Yeah. And more like, I wish that he could have done more.
1: You ever see The Last Castle? No, I haven't. With, uh, I don't Robert even know Redford. what that is. He plays the warden of a military prison. Really? And Robert Redford is a decorated general who ends up in this military prison. And all the uh, inmates respect, they almost intrinsically respect Robert Redford, who is a decorated military figure. Yeah. And this causes real friction (laughs) between him and the warden. And it's, it's probably not like a four star movie, but it's, it's like, I bet you'd find it very watchable. Mark, I'd watch that, Mark yeah. Ruffalo's in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. As another a good guy, cast. Sort of a bastard who's in military prison for being a young <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it, it's really, um, it's a little bit like, it's almost a little bit like, uh, Redford took a shot at cool hand Luke, you know, in, in the, in 2002. Yeah. You know, it, it's a neat sort of spin on the idea of, uh, of a prison movie. Anyway, yeah, I'll, wa- I'll watch that. That sounds yeah, cool. That's you can put on.
2: But yeah, so the movie really introduces their characters. It gives Brad Pitt a story, but it really introduces who they are through the interactions between girlfriend Julia Roberts and boyfriend Brad Pitt, um, who have been going to group therapy. And have lied that they are married mm-hmm. so i think it's probably like a married group therapy and they lied yeah. about being married to get into it i want
1: to jump in right right quick yeah. I, I don't want to cut you off or steal the uh, the point you're trying to make but mm-hmm. i one thing that i think maybe aged a little poorly is this mm-hmm. this movie came out right at the same time as the sopranos yeah and uh they're both about the sort of amusing idea of criminals in therapy there's another movie that i love um uh gross point blank which I love Christopher which, which is about a. That's a great movie. A killer. Phenomenal soundtrack. Who, who has? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's that's that used to be my favorite movie. I mm-hmm. saw that four times in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but for about and then there's analyze this, like yeah. there there was this little little like wave of movies that were about. Wouldn't it be funny if uh, you know th- everybody everybody you know therapy's for everybody you know wouldn't it be funny if criminals were in therapy? Yeah.
2: Well, what do you? think this movie's attitude towards therapy is
1: i don't know it's a it's a little bit dismissive yes it paints it as sort of a bunch of psychobabble yeah I, it, I
2: actually thought that the movie was like the attitude th- towards therapy was pretty negative yeah there, there's and, one scene and, in particular yeah. where
1: julia roberts and james Gandolfini are, are in a yep. we'll call it a moment of crisis and she sort of turns to this therapy that her therapy yeah
2: uh she drops a whole bunch of therapy words yeah a lot frequently um and the, they keep landing on the... Like, the thing it is telling the audience is love is the answer. Which I, I thought was kind of lame. Um, the, the scene you were talking about, she starts ranting about them being in therapy and dropping her therapy words. And she says something that I wrote down because I wasn't sure if I should be offended by it or not. But she says his mother was someone who always thought the iron was on. Mm-hmm. Is she... Insulting
1: somebody for having OCD. Well, yeah, she's well, she's. I think she's, she's calling just, her crazy. Well, she's describing him as being raised by someone like that, who's crazy. Well, right? sure, but that is a compulsion issue. Yeah, I mean, having OCD or having a nervous anxiety. Yeah, that that doesn't mean crazy. That's in fact, all she did was describe a symptom.
2: Yeah, but it's it's just weird that this character is so wrapped up in therapy, but then the dialogue that she's given is like super fucking dismissive
1: of therapy. Well, well there's a certain school of thought I think about therapy. Yeah. In that it uh, is it is perceived by some, I think, as being an effort to absolve a person of their personal responsibility.
2: Yeah, which that's the attitude the movie has and for in, sure.
1: And in, well, sort of, because the two central characters are aggressively activating these like therapeutic interventions mm-hmm. that they have learned in group couples. Ther- they call it group, but it, you know it's probably like couples therapy, where groups, yeah. you know a group of couples, right? Yes, no, no. I they, think we're it's, the only it's ones that aren't married in the group, but it's yeah. but it's couples therapy. And so they they actually pretty successfully um, use these interventions to ga- you know engage in discourse and yeah. to stop fights. I, I don't. The,
2: it's, that's it, why I'm like kind of puzzled funny. about it. Well,
1: it's of a time you have to yeah. acknowledge well, the time that it that is that it was actually
2: made. what I wrote down. Is I think the movie's just dated.
1: In 2002 or 2001, yeah. whenever the movie was out, the yeah. uh, therapy. There was a, there were also a bunch of these um, um, erotic thrillers. Mm-hmm where the central character or the murderer was a therapist. And the idea was like the therapist Dressed gets, to kill? gets inside your mind. Yeah. Well, Dressed to Kill is earlier than this era. But, you know, Basic <laughs> yeah, Instinct, no, uh, yeah, yeah, there's what yeah. Color of Night. He, I mean, these are all therapist. these are
2: all movies that probably started with Dressed to Kill. Like De Palma introduced it and then it became a, a, a trend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, There's a therapist character in Basic Instinct, though. It wasn't Saren Stone. It was the brunette. Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, but Basic Instinct is... Um,
1: 95 or something, 96. Yeah,
2: and it's like Joe Hester House well, and, and yeah, but, Verhoeven. Like, that's all bleeding off
1: of well, but my, the De Palma movie. I'm movement. just saying, if you yeah. look back at like 94 yeah. through, you know, uh, 2004, probably there's probably about a decade of movies of art uh, very much that is aware of a rise in people participating in therapy mm-hmm. without really understanding it. People, yeah. who, people who thought that it was something like going to a... Uh, you know, rehab or going to a doctor to treat a a present illness, mm-hmm. rather than using it as sort of a facilitative. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's more. It's much more like going to physical therapy than it is going to surgery. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. It's about, you know, whatever. My point is the the one thing that I think ages the most poorly is the is the sort of uh, use of therapy. The constant the reference to it. therapy, yeah, yeah, as though it is this alien. It's her dialogue,
2: honestly. Yeah. And and like I I'm again you know. I feel like there's all this stuff about them being in therapy. It is a major theme for her character. And then at the end of the movie, the answer is, but we love each other. And, you know, that is where I go, this is a rom-com. <laughs> like oh, sure. that for me is the defining, all of the problems are solved by love in the end. It's a rom-com. Um, I mean, it's it's also very funny. It this is movie funny. is very funny.
1: Brad Pitt had good comic chops. Also,
2: he is gorgeous.
1: What a, <laughs> what a, a beautiful, it's perfect man. It's weird that people man. don't talk about how handsome he is.
2: Um they do. <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: they do. <laughs> you know, we were talking about how old he is, right? So in 2022, he's like it is. He's 58 years old, right? Yeah. So, so he's 20 years ago, 38. He was 38 in this movie. Doesn't he look like he's 22? He's
2: a little I mean, older than me. Yeah. I mean,
1: he, I mean, not 22, maybe, but he looks like a kid in this movie.
2: I mean, he looks 30. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's just beautiful. He's absolutely beautiful. Um, but right. So also, they do a "Call Me a Cab" joke, which, like, that's my favorite joke ever from. Um, originally, The Sound of Music.
1: I don't, I'm not familiar with. I'm, oh I'm not that familiar with The Sound of Music. I've obviously seen that one, but uh, so. Call me a oh cab. my god, not
2: The Sound of Music. She's singing in the rain. Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> singing in the rain. Sound of Music is um, up in the Alps. There's <laughs> a character that says, "Call me a cab," and the other character says, "You're a cab." Um, and there's a point at which she's yelling at him, and she's like, "The only thing I want." He's like, "Call me something," and she's like, "The only thing I want to call you is a cab." Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that made me giggle. Um, movie also has a great music, like absolutely great, wonderful like
1: mariachi bands going nuts. I love it so much. It's so cool! It, it and makes fun. me it makes me dance in my seat when I watch the movie. Yeah, um, I love this. I love the way the Mexicans. Hey, I have a question for you. Did yeah. your did the movie version that you watch have subtitles when the Mexican characters did were not, speaking? No. And mine neither, and I, can't, I maybe there just are no subtitles. I don't think there are. Yeah, and, because... and
2: honestly, like I've I I watched a movie. Um, I watched a movie called Watcher recently, and it's about a a girl who moves to, um, God, is it Estonia or Romania? One of one of the two. With her husband um, for work. But she's not working. She's going to be like stay-at-home wife and he's working. And I have no idea if it was supposed to be subtitled or not. The version I watched didn't have subtitles. And it like made it, there was, but there was so much dialogue that was not in English. Mm-hmm. But she didn't understand it. So yeah, which is part of the it premise. kind of enhanced yeah. the experience so like my assumption is there's not supposed to be subtitles i felt the same way with the mexican i could kind of fig like you know figure out what they were saying based on yeah it wasn't that big a deal generally yeah Yeah. like i mean um the first time that you get spanish um spoken in the film is brad pitt uh flies down to mexico to start his job and he goes to rent a car Mm -hmm. and he walks up to the car rental guy and he's like i've got a chrysler for you it's brand new you're gonna love it And Brad Pitt is like, do you have something that's maybe like a little cooler, like a little more? And the guy's like, do you mean Mexican? And then he starts talking in Spanish Mm -hmm. at him. And that was when I'm like, are there supposed to be subtitles? I don't have subtitles. But it, it kind of seems well, like what, he's what both he's, mocking him.
1: Yeah, I speak enough Spanish to know that what he's asking is, do you speak any Spanish? Yeah. And he just sort of says nothing. He's like, of course not.
2: <laughs> yeah, like it's funny. It, it's sort of used against him. Oh, for sure. Like they definitely are mocking Brad Pitt for acting like a cocky American. Right,
1: right, right. In a, in a place where he doesn't he, speak he, the language. The Mexican car that he gets is an El Camino. Do you he, know who makes the El Camino? Who? Ford.
2: Yeah. It's American. <laughs> or
1: Chevy. I forget. Whatever. But it's, it's an American, American car. car. El Camino. And he's like, vroom, vroom. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, um, which I love that gag. That gag gets repeated three times, I think. The well, second time, well, the third time is off camera. The second time, J.K. Simmons shows up, makes the same request, winds up in a cool convertible. The third time is when Bob Ballaman finally shows up in Mexico. But you meet him after he's rented his car. And did you notice what he was driving?
1: Was it the Chrysler? It was the Chrysler. That's what I was going to say. The one guy that doesn't give a shit is Is Bob Bob Balaban. And he's driving the
2: Chrysler, which is both like very funny. It's a a Chevrolet. Sorry. He just doesn't care about what car he's driving. But also it's depicting him as sort of the loser of the bunch because he didn't ask for a cool car.
1: He has no interest in the flavor of the the, uh, community.
2: But I thought that joke was really good.
1: It is really good. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if this matters, but El, you know, the, the words El Camino translate to, I think, the way or the road. Yeah. So it's sort of a neat little, I don't that's know, because it's sort of about him being on this little journey. It's,
2: I mean, it's a neat car.
1: It is a neat I mean, yeah. it's sort of. It's sort of a weird car.
2: And it, it is definitely a it's weird a car. It's a sedan pickup. Yeah. Well, that's for why I say neat instead it. of cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to me, it's neat.
1: Um, oh, for sure. They tried to make it again. with. There was a Subaru that did the same thing about 20 years ago. It did not catch on.
2: But right, so he gets his car and he goes and he locates the guy who's got the gun, and that guy is actually played by David uh, Krumholtz, who when he showed up, I'm like, oh my god, it's that guy from Ten Things I Hate About You and a million other movies.
1: I think he's also in the Santa Claus.
2: He is. He's like a little character actor. I think he's the takes tiny tiny roles in a million movies i've yeah. seen this dude everywhere he's in like coen brothers movies this dude just gets around um and it was just fun to see him in something like i think like a year after 10 things i hate about you and he plays the guy who kind of um like uh, ushers heath ledger around the school have you seen 10 things i hate about you i probably saw that was 90s. a big yeah. one that i watched a lot I when i was, was young 2000 yeah yeah so he he but you know it was kind of fun to see him there
1: I remember in 10 Things I Hate About You, there was a scene where they went to a park and they threw um, water balloons full of paint at each other. Yep, they did. And even then I said, no way. No fucking way. They go
2: like paintballing, but it's different than regular paintballing. Very different. Yeah. Because they're just throwing. Well, it's sexy. I guess. Yeah. She wears black panties. That's the other thing I remember about that movie is they like go through her room and they're like, she wears black panties. You don't wear those unless you want someone to see them. And then for years I felt weird about wearing black panties.
1: Did anyone ever see him? Mm, No. Did you want someone to? No. All right. Well, I guess maybe that movie is a bunch of shit then. Bullshit film. Thumbs down.
2: (laughs) But right. So he shows up. He meets the guy with the gun who um, is sort of a babbling drunk. Tells him the story of the gun for the first time. We get the story for the the gun repeated multiple times. Almost like Rashomon style.
1: Yeah. Well, it's about people that. Has have a, a better and better understanding of the narrative. The yeah. myth, the, it's a myth. Yeah. And so this so first guy has some the first guy, guy is some just some American
2: kid who happens to have it. He knows some of the and details. And he gives the most mild, like easy, you know, they made a special gun. It was beautiful. It backfired, killed the guy who shot it. Yeah. It was cursed. No one ever fired it again. Um, And they get drunk and then they're heading back to the car and there's just people partying outside, shooting guns into the air. And as Brad Pitt is trying to usher him into the car, he falls down on the ground drunk. Brad Pitt drags him over into the car, puts him in the car and realizes this dude is bleeding profusely from the head. Yeah. He has been shot in the brain and is dead. <laughs> there's,
1: a, there's a payoff to that later on, but he ends up with a blood stain on the back, yeah. back of the car seat. and uh, Or not the back, you know, right, yeah. it looks like a guy got shot right in the car.
2: And so immediately he's like, oh, fuck, this is bad. I need to call someone. Calls J.K. Simmons from a payphone. And while he is explaining the situation to J.K. Simmons, and finding out that this guy is actually the grandson of the
1: dude, Mr. Margulies, of
2: Mr. Margulies, the big, the big, big, big guy in charge, um, someone steals his car <laughs> because he's just left the keys in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so, so like they steal this, the car, the corpse, the gun, everything. yeah,
2: everything gets stolen. So this starts the theme. Of Brad Pitt is incredibly fucking unlucky, <laughs> which it's, leads me it's into... Like the,
1: it's not the first, but it's like the first time he gets to have one of those like, no way it, reactions.
2: It was the the time that made it obvious that this was just an aspect of his character. Like we've heard some stuff about him, seen some stuff go down. But when this happens, it's like, holy shit. Not only is that horrible luck, but <sighs> what an asshole. <laughs> <answer>. Yeah. oh. <laughs> oh. and this leads me to my theory that this is the same character from bullet train it sure could be 20 years later brad pitt is still in the same still in therapy still in therapy still uh doing work for criminals but now he's become an assassin he's gotten good at killing people and he still has horrible luck
1: Uh, yeah
2: i i mean it makes sense right
1: Yeah. Like he's basically the same character in both movies. And he's similarly able to consider what's going on around him. I mean, he's the only... One of my favorite things in the movie is he, he has one of those moments that are too infrequent where he... Thinks about the plot of the movie yeah. out loud. He yeah. goes, "Hold on." He told he he's telling you to bring him the gun. He's telling you to get the gun. He's telling you to bring me in. He's telling you to get the gun without me. Kill me. Does that make any sense? You're getting conflicting orders, man. Like he's explaining. It's almost like he's catching up the viewer. Like yeah, yeah. It's actually getting a little bit confusing.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was a little confused until then. Yeah, like when he explained it was when I'm like, oh. I get what's going on. I get that he's got two bosses and that these two bosses are kind of conflicting. So yeah, there's Gene orders Ackman from Mr.
1: Margulies. And Bob
2: Bal- Balaban are actually, uh, Bob Balaban is turned. Yeah. And he's trying to get the gun for himself.
1: Yeah. And, and there's evidence that trickles in as the movie progresses. Yeah. You see things back at Balaban's mm-hmm. office and so on.
2: So all the while, the two big bo- big bosses have sent separate hitmen to kidnap Julia Roberts.
1: And that's not revealed until much later. It's not
2: movie. honestly. This scene starts with her driving. I think she's driving to Vegas, right? Yeah, because that's so her, she's she packed wants to up be her car creepier. and she's decided that, like, fuck it, I'm leaving Los Angeles. I've broken up with Brad Pitt. I think I'm she's going to Vegas. I
1: think she's smiling at the beginning beginning of the movie because, because they're planning decided, to move to yeah, Las Vegas yeah. today. Yes, and he indicates that he's been called in for one last job. That is and she correct. says, "I'm moving. With I'm her. moving. Mm-hmm. You can you can with or without you." <laughs>
2: so she stops at a mall. And eats alone in the food court, which I, that horrified me. <laughs> I, I, the idea of, of, you know, being on the road and de- trying to deciding that you're going to stop for lunch at a mall and eat alone in a food court. I was like, absolutely fucking not. What a nightmare. Um, and before she leaves, runs to the restroom and hitman goes in, grabs her. Another guy shows up, shoots the first guy, grabs her, runs to her car. Uh, and this is James Gandolfini. Um, her and James Gandolfini get in her car, and Gandolfini goes on a crazy drive to get as far away from the mall as possible. Yeah, with her as his hostage.
1: Yeah, sort of a pointless exercise in the yeah. bad driving. Yeah, it's it,
2: funny. There's several like big car action scenes in this movie. I mean, there's two really, but both seem fully unavoidable. Like not unavoidable, fully avoidable. Like they seem almost unnecessary, but like extremely fun and like yeah, the, fast and loud. Yeah, this
1: one. Yeah, and, and this one really is. It's almost like the director Verbinski's putting a point on that because he just pulls over immediately after. Yeah. And the, and the truck that he's been tra- desperately trying goes to Goes right pass past him. Just goes right past yeah. him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like there's no reason for him to be driving into the shoulder, hitting all the cones, yeah. like swerving around trucks and shit because they just pull over immediately so she can vomit. Yeah. Yeah. But this starts the relationship between um, her kidnapper, James Gandolfini, who introduces himself as Leroy, and Julia Roberts' character um which is really
1: fun really fun
2: yeah it's like almost you're right like a kind of separate movie that's happening at the same time that um she has now been kidnapped because multiple people want what they think Brad Pitt has because they think he has the gun uh, people are under the impression that Brad Pitt has Brad Pitt killed the kid took the gun and is going to sell the gun himself because this gun is very 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 valuable yeah so They kidnap
1: his girlfriend, not
2: knowing that they've broken up and that she hates him. And
1: um, there's that scene where he goes to the payphone. He dumps about 25 quarters into it. She's like, all right. Call him. Call him. Okay."
2: Yeah. She's like, fine, I'll call him. Takes the phone. Like, okay, do it now. She's like, okay,
1: I'll call him. What's the number? What's the number? What do you mean you got the number?
2: <laughs> yeah. And neither of them have the number
1: because they're they're not a couple. Anymore. I know, I love it. What are you talking about? Yeah. I keep telling you that we broke up.
2: So they start really bonding and it's really fun. Cause like at first, of course, it's like a hostage situation, but like he clearly isn't, you know, you know, isn't violent against her, doesn't want to hurt her, kind of likes her. Yeah. And like Eventually they get friendly enough that they're sitting in a diner together talking about the relationship and she notices him check out a guy. Mm-hmm. And immediately in my head red flags. I'm like, is this movie homophobic? Very quickly I'm like, oh no, it's not homophobic it's not at actually. all. <laughs> it's not homophobic at all. In fact, it, it loves this character yeah. and is now introducing him as a normal healthy gay man who sees another gay man and, like, they connect and get together. Yeah, deep. But connect. then, like, throws me for a fucking loop, gets weird about rape very quickly. <laughs> because when he kidnaps her, she's like, are you going to rape me? And he's like, no, probably not. Or, like, not likely or something. And then she's like, are you gay? And he confesses he's gay. And she's like, it's funny. I've been thinking about this thing you said. And I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. And she's like, when you said you weren't going to rape me, it was like, you didn't even want to rape me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> unhealthy, don't lie. Well,
1: James Gandolfini does correct her, actually, because rape <laughs> is not a crime of attraction. It's a crime of power or anger or something.
2: But at the same time, they make light of it in a way that, no, that like.
1: Listen, people do make light of rape.
2: They, I mean, they do, but like.
1: In a scenario where it's not actually happening, exactly, people in do a, make light of it. But
2: in a scenario where this woman has been kidnapped and is actually like threatened to make light of it, well, they're they're, they're it relationship. feels like rape is a joke overall. Like the movie treats it like rape is a joke overall. I don't know about that. And it makes light of sexual violence against women.
1: Yeah, sure. I guess in a
2: way that I didn't like. Well, of
1: course, your opinion is perfectly valid. I, it, okay, that also so you
2: approve of of rape? You approve of sexual violence against women? You consider that me thinking it bad is an opinion? No, no, no.
1: I just think it's funny. Oh you thought that was funny. I, yeah, listen, it, I think it was played for laughs in the moment. It's supposed I, to be I, but
2: it's super for dudes. Only
1: men would find that funny. Sure, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it's another thing that's probably lost to time because I mean prison, yeah, yeah. prison rape is also played for laughs in like At a point, yeah. probably in a thousand movies like yeah. the idea of, of guys having a hard time sitting down because they were in prison. Which I mean again, in the movie Shakedown. I don't think it's funny. Right, but my my point is that well see you're you're sort of viewing it through the modern lens of of, of uh
2: again i wouldn't call it modern i would call it my lens sure but my the, personal values but
1: in 2002 you probably wouldn't have noticed it i guess is my thinking yeah i Maybe mean it was very prevalent
2: yeah. um in a way that was sort of like signaling that it was okay to do um what do you mean make jokes about yeah make light of
1: yeah, like there's like a Blink One Eighty Two song that's all about a guy getting raped in prison. Yeah, like there there's there, it, that it one's really bad. did actually permeate the culture as a yeah. as an amusing punchline yeah. for a Again, long time. I
2: will say I have a note that says, you know, this is at the time. There's some stuff dated in this movie. Yeah, that was definitely one of the dated parts. Yeah, like her being held captive, handcuffed, and making jokes about being raped
1: of the time. Or, or, really, the jokes were about not being raped. Yeah. Which is a, a, a much more peculiar And that position. she would have,
2: that she was offended that he didn't want to rape her. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little fucked up, right? It
1: is. It's fine. But I mean, also, she is a person who is very uh, codependent. Yeah. And so, you know, it's sort of an assessment of and her career. You're character. using therapy words. Well, she is, though. She's, yeah. I mean, the book she's reading by herself in that rest shop is like an, it's like a takeoff oh, I took of. I a picture of it, too. It it's was, like a takeoff on men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah. And it was it's, something it's, called it's
2: a, like. Yeah. how to hate men or, 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 or yeah yeah, so, yeah I mean, you so how s- to I think, understand men i think you yeah. sent me that photo so i did I'll... i did it doesn't matter well, yeah, but or... um but yeah it was very funny to me that i got scared that it was going to be homophobic and then it wasn't and then it made light of sexual violence immediately after i was afraid it was going to be homophobic <laughs> Yeah, my notes say, "Oh no, it's 2001." Is this homophobic?
1: "Men Who Can't Love" is there the name go. of the book she's reading. Soon. And
2: then, okay, maybe not homophobic, but weird attitude towards rape. Oh no, <laughs> those were my
1: notes. <laughs> Again, I don't think that we. A, I think the. I think the character had a weird attitude, and James Gandolfini as the counterbalance actually tried to correct. Her perspective.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right. I and mean, he's a great character. He is. He's. Yeah. A, he, it's one of the great... But then she also asks him something immediately after that, which is, are you full throttle? And I wrote that down because I didn't understand what it meant. I Googled it and I still couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I'm not sure either. What does are you full throttle mean? Especially in relation to to, to gayness. Maybe she
1: just meant like out of the closet, actively gay. Oh, Full maybe. throttle just means top speed, sort of. Yeah. Pushing the pedal to the metal. I don't know. It confused
2: me. Yeah. But yeah, they wind up
1: sexually active.
2: Yeah, meeting a guy yeah. there and and taking him to Vegas. So yeah, the three of them wind up going to Vegas and getting a hotel room and it's this sort of like really fun Julia Roberts living her gay best friend fantasy for for a hot minute. They have a little dance party. It's
1: really fun. It is. Yeah. Um and it feels it feels uh, like um it doesn't feel like some insane dance party thrown into the movie for no reason.
2: No, it feels natural to the like film. Like an authentic
1: yeah. sort of growth of the character. L- Leroy is having fun yeah. with this person who's got to watch. he's met this guy who he likes. Everything seems to be going his way. Mm-hmm. And and she sort of rolls with it. Yeah. She's like, you're taking me to the place I want to go anyway. <laughs> it, it's a really, it's an interesting yeah. subplot. Or, it's fun. Or yeah. a B plot. I don't know how to, yeah. it's not really sub because um, it, for, for While it's on screen, you almost completely forget about Brad about Pitt's Brad Pitt. story. Yeah,
2: who at the time is now trying to get back the gun, which he does. He finds the car.
1: Yeah, he's competent. He, yeah, <laughs> he,
2: he actually does a really good job retrieving the car and the gun, taking a hostage. Winds up with a mean old dog. Well, who I love. Uh, the dog's my other favorite character. James Gandolfini <laughs> as Leroy <laughs> the and the mean
1: dog. With the deflated football. Who
2: loves his football and growls at anyone who comes near him, but learns to... to respect and follow Brad Pitt's kinda, orders. Kind of becomes a buddy. Has his own attitude. Like he does his own thing. When mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's gonna go off with J.K. Simmons, the dog is like,
1: I'm out, not for me. Mm-mm. Um <laughs> <but> <laughs> he, he,
2: he retrieves the gun. And he
1: kind of warns him at the end too. Yeah. The dog tips him off that there's people around.
2: Yeah, meets up with J.K. Simmons and then Brad Pitt realizes that he's being set up in some way. Hasn't figured out exactly what's going on, but something is off. Um yeah. ditches J.K. Simmons with the gun runs to the airport discovers he's lost his passport (laughs) actually he hasn't lost it he accidentally has taken jk simmons passport yeah which is very funny um and no and like further (laughs) like you know shows his bad luck um winds up at the consulate and eventually reconnects with julia roberts there's some drama there he's not at the consulate He's, yeah, he's
1: he in a hotel lobby, yeah, yeah. waiting for the consulate to call.
2: Yeah, he desperately is trying to get back to well, America. So
1: he's supposed to be on a plane back to Vegas Which with he the does gun. Not get on. And there's one of my one of my favorite scenes where they barely say anything. Yeah, it's it's Gandolfini and uh, Roberts sitting standing at the airport waiting for him, mm-hmm. as they become increasingly. It becomes increasingly clear that he's not coming off the plane, <laughs> and and it's Julia Roberts doing actual acting, just like like this guy yeah he's i i absolutely believe it i just can't believe it and he's <laughs> sort of looking all right well a lot right we all had a lot riding on him not screwing this up so now we got to go into plan b yep, and so he takes her into mexico they fly to mexico where uh,
2: they meet up with him
1: <laughs> when did they there, but you talked we, we briefly chatted about the movie before we started this there's that excellent conversation that i have on the phone that's yeah. before he's uh that's before he's trying to, get back to Las Vegas or um, is that after they No, Atlanta? that
2: is when they, they're telling him to come pick them up at the airport in, okay. in a few hours. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I have your girlfriend with me. She's a beautiful woman. She's a very
1: special woman. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> And he's like, What? <laughs> Which that made we me laugh both the know hardest. How you can be- the hardest of anything that happened in the movie is when he said, What, what? on the phone to James Gandolfini And of like <laughs> real confusion about what he was hearing from the dude holding his girlfriend captive. You've known her
1: for 22 hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, all-
2: Why do you know how I can be? Why are you calling her special? <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. But yeah, then they all wind up together, and the worst part of the movie. Brad Pitt kills James Gandolfini.
1: Yeah, I mean, you should maybe put a, a little I said at the beginning, stop yeah.
2: listening if you want to watch the movie. So we're there. I was mad. I was really upset. I, I honestly, like, it soured me a little bit after that. I was less, I, I kept just saying I wish James, James Gandolfini was still here, like throughout the rest of the movie after
1: that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's a true. But see, that's a that's a movie that that's not playing to the audience. Really. No, it's not, and, and, it, and,
2: it, and it feels fair to the plot. Like it we, really. It, the only thing that that kind of doesn't make sense is how Julia Roberts isn't a little more fucked up afterwards. But you know, yeah. she's in a weird situation because we left
1: at that one last little plot point in Vegas. The, yeah, uh, that there's uh, the, the other previous hitman. hitman returns.
2: Yeah, because he wears Kevlar and uh, like a smart man
1: and kills the. the the James Gandolfini's new mm-hmm. love interest, really. Yeah. Which sets which changes James Gandolfini's character from that point forward. Yeah. He becomes much more mercenary. Yeah. And he, you know, it's it's a uh it's a movie about killers, people that you know, violent people. And Bad Pitt succeeds in that scenario where yeah, he it, wins. It, it were, yeah, he, he was paying attention. He actually played he says something else that's great. He says, uh <laughs> what you didn't know was that i met leroy but you couldn't have known that yeah. so you're i knew you were lying and you, you're like but you couldn't have known that i knew and it, it actually also yeah. plays out it's in
2: again the, him describing the plot yeah it plays out yeah, it's right, fun
1: right in the scene where, yeah. where he's changing a tire and brad pitt acknowledges something that the camera can't doesn't catch so the viewer doesn't see it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it cha- he changes his body language and and then some traffic passes and gandolfini who is holding a gun on him decides to help out with the with oh the no tire. no
2: you you left it out he sees julio roberts
1: no i don't yes well maybe so
2: it's because repe- it's the same sequence repeated is he is holding the gun at brad pitt and he's probably going to kill him is, yeah, and an, he makes a comment about he discovers how,
1: that the guns in the glove box yes yeah. he
2: knows that they have that brad pitt has the mexican that's the name of the gun. Have we ever even said the name of the That's gun is The Mexican? Movie's That's why, Mexican. why the movie is yeah. called The Mexican. Um, he knows he has the gun hidden in the car, which Brad Pitt didn't want him to know. And he's holding a gun to the back of Brad Pitt's head as Brad Pitt is changing their flat tire. And he makes a comment about how trucks don't come by. And then all of a sudden some cars come by. And he looks up and he sees Julia Roberts walking away, feels guilt, decides to help change the tire. Starts helping to change the tire. Brad Pitt stands up.
1: And he pulls the gun. Pulls
2: the gun. Sees Julia Roberts. And his reaction is not guilt. His reaction is fear. His reaction is, I don't know about their relationship. And I thought he was going to kill my loved
1: one. Yeah, and in so that he moment, kills him. and in that moment, the camera shows you what he saw before, which yeah. is that the hubcap reflected almost perfectly. The guy what standing, was happening behind the him. guy standing yeah. behind him?
2: I like that you 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 focused in on the hubcap more, and I focused in on on their reaction to seeing the woman um, and how it, it made them feel. Yeah. I, I actually think that's kind of like a cool um, analysis of that sequence, which is it's funny the way that it's repeated. Um, it's both like funny and interesting and says a lot of other characters. It's really skillful. Yeah. It's a
1: really well-made movie. Gandolfini goes for his gun too. So it's not like he's shot blind. No, no, no. They make it,
2: they make it. He catches
1: the, he catches the the reflection and he realizes he's been made.
2: So he grabs his gun. And
1: and now it's a fight to the death.
2: Yeah. And uh, Gandolfini loses. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's he's got the low ground. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So now it's just Julia Roberts and Brad Pitt. Julia Roberts is absolutely heartbroken. She's so sad. Her friend is dead. Winston. She wants to go home. Yeah. His name is Winston, it turns yeah. out, which well, is great.
1: Well, he's got his own name tattooed on his arm. Which is very funny. Who's Winston? It's somebody I don't like very much.
2: <laughs> oh, that's so sad.
1: It is. It's a really good movie. <laughs> he's a really good
2: character. You know what? It's Even analyzing it, I'm liking it more. Like, you, I think the genre watched, isn't for me, this but is another, I really
1: liked it. It's another perfect cable movie. If yeah. you ever walked in on this movie, you'd watch it for 20 minutes or, or maybe to the end. Mm-hmm. Any any 20 minutes is fun in this yeah. movie. Yeah,
2: it's funny. It's also one that wasn't critically that well-received.
1: Hey, I saw that. It's like 54%. Which kind of surprises same me. Same as Bullet Train.
2: If that, if, I will <laughs> say if this movie came out today, though, that that wouldn't be the, the response. You think people would like it more? I think people would like it more if it came out today. Uh, it would need to deal with some of the dated stuff, but... Um, but it could. But I I think this style of movie isn't done enough anymore. I loved it. I mean,
1: Bullet Train comes close, but it's much more action forward.
2: Yeah. Bullet Train is more a genre I like. I think The Mexican's a better movie.
1: It takes its time. It's funny. It's genuinely funny in moments. It's really well acted. It's really Really well directed.
2: It looks beautiful. Great music. It makes
1: Mexico seem... Perfectly normal in a, in a really easy yeah. way. Like, yeah, it, it just, I mean,
2: it gives it a lot of texture, and it does sort of show some great. some seediness. Sure,
1: sure. yeah, but, but
2: it didn't feel unfair.
1: So much of the movie is about actually yeah. is our our central gringo character moving down in there, yeah. and treating it like he's in some. I mean, it's like my first mm-hmm. time in Mexico, but he's and he's from Los Angeles, which I guess is kind of a joke, <laughs> also. Yeah, yeah. It's like my fr- and <laughs> at one point this is uh, where the payoff of the blood stain on the seat. Yeah, uh, this this like you know, policeman starts asking him questions. uh, He he asks him, is this your car as well? I'm renting it. I'm I'm American. He's like, no shit. I'm Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just, it doesn't, none of the, none of the Mexican characters are portrayed as, as uh, stupid slow no they're not crooked it's it's super yeah it's very i much mean about, occasionally they well, sort of
2: depict them as kind of like um
1: well some of them are working for a rival yeah. operation yeah or
2: like kind of poor and, well, and sure. whatever but they're, like it doesn't feel unfair you know it, it just feels like he's in some rural part of mexico yeah i don't feel like
1: um, the movie portrays us Americans as taking advantage. No, it, of, it doesn't, and it doesn't. Yeah. seem...
2: Like, it actually makes Americans seem a little on the silly side. Yeah, like dipshits. Yeah, and, like uh, absolute dipshits in a place that you know maybe they don't understand, but they feel like they do. Yeah, because due to the economic circumstances, they have
1: to they have to indulge our yeah. our, our uh, dipshit <laughs> yeah. tendencies. Yeah, he's so fun in this movie, though. Brad Pitt, what, what a goofball! He's really good. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you know, um, we know the ending. I feel like do you want to go into
1: it we're going long the ending uh no i don't think we have no
2: to. the ending's good uh i mean they wind up getting. It. it's very <laughs> funny that the the image that's like on the dvd cover and the poster is from basically one of the last scenes of the movie which oh, is, where she
1: gets out of the truck trunk and you're, you're, yeah and, the, and it's she, when he proposes yeah 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 yeah. but it's it's what follows i mean they, yeah
2: she finally fires the gun which always backfires or kills the person or whatever yeah. um so only someone who's true of heart is supposed to be able to fire it and julia roberts is able to fire the gun
1: yeah and as she does a wedding ring blows at the end of it yeah
2: because you know the gun was stolen it was after a wedding well, it was a, a wedding gift a, a wedding gift yeah. yeah and he grabs the way the, the ring and once everything is resolved proposes to her on the spot yeah and it's a really cute moment and then it ends with them driving back to america while like her you know being all lovey-dovey asking him to tell her the story of the gun over and over again it's really cute it is yeah that is like the rom comiest part of it too
1: a noble man Mm -hmm. it's nobleman what did I say?
2: Actually, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of like that they fight. Yeah, I, I do. I like that their relationship, Time although like <laughs> getting engaged and like figuring out that they love each other and they want to be together doesn't actually fix the problem that they bicker yeah. quite a bit.
1: It's a very sweet movie yeah. in that regard. Yeah, I think Gene Hackman shows up and just lays it down for last oh, ten great. minutes.
2: Oh my God, he's barely in it and he's wonderful. Like he sells it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, thumbs up for me. I really liked it.
1: Really liked it. Thumbs yeah. up for me. It's Two grown on
2: me as we talked about it. Like talking about it with you made me like it even more than I did.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot of fun. So, All right. Yeah. Well, mission a, accomplished. So a that long, was the, long podcast. The first stop on our Tour de Gore.
2: Yeah, Tour de Gore episode one, The Mexican. We
1: we we briefly discussed prior to recording that we might talk about uh cure for wellness.
2: Yeah, I think we should talk but about But we could also do the weather man. I because that's a catch-up for me. I we some. could do Cure for Wellness. We could do Weatherman. We could do Mouse Hunt.
1: W- Mouse Hunt? Well, sure. We'll we put them in a random number generator. Okay.
2: All right. We'll figure it out. We'll or let, or vote. Tell we'll us. We'll let
1: God decide. Wait. I'll put
2: up an Instagram poll. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. I don't know how, how many people will vote on it. I don't know. Do you guys follow us on Instagram? We're Madeline and her attorney on Instagram.
1: I don't hear anybody answering.
2: I don't either. That's fine. <sighs> I could play Merm's voicemail again.
1: That's probably what everybody wants right now. That's what they want. Give the people what they want. Another voicemail.
2: All right, we're going to close out with a voicemail. Thank you for tuning in. Well, no,
1: don't really do the voicemail thing. I might. Play me singing some more. Oh, I'm going to do that. Your body is a wonderland. Your body is a wonderland. Your body is a wonderland. Your body is a wonderland actually if you could get some of that Mexican music the, the, oh
2: no that's perfect I'll close it with mariachi something that would be fun yeah. and maybe
1: if you can find it something from the Mexican from the movie yeah fuck yeah or maybe just Brad Pitt going no I'll do both <laughs> here we go